Can you hear me there, Jeff? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Excellent. It's working. Uh, maybe I better switch over to the uh, actual music for the intro here. Oh, you know what I usually have the uh, the guests do is um, I have three different intros. You probably don't know this. Okay. One's the original. One is one that's uh, that has uh, some old cowboy saying it's Greg, and one is right. one is an anti ETH opening featuring John Keel and Jacques Vallee and William S. Burroughs. Beautiful. <laughs> is that the one you're voting for? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff wants the anti ETH opening. Here, let me uh, turn down the output here so my recording doesn't go wacko. Uh, our honor guest Jeff here wants uh, Jeff Ritzman wants the uh, anti ETH. So I don't know if you can hear it. Let me let me crank it a little bit on my speakers here, so maybe you can hear it through the uh, Skype. No, the the whole extraterrestrial thing is not uh, not a viable solution to this. We we need to go f- through a turning point in the study of of this whole domain, away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by, you know, aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that the, uh, that this, that this phenomenon is, um, comes, from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information. And the fact that they can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit the domain is also pure information. Are we uh, well conditioned here? Yes. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about... Radio Mysterioso. Okay. Uh, there's enough of that. Everybody, know, everybody knows that opening. Uh, yeah. One of the one of the listeners actually just uh, John said I always pitch the anti ETH opening a lot. Hard. I do the hard sell on the anti ETH <laughs> opening. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. you want these boring ones? Or do you want this brand new, exciting? Uh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, I I know you're down with the anti ETH thing. Although I'm not. Uh, uh, I said before, I'm not anti. I'm just kind of tired of it. Uh, I think I think I can safely be called anti. I suppose at this point, really. <laughs> Although I always leave the door open. I mean, what do we know? Yeah, wait. 
everything is an assumption here at this point, but people don't, yeah, don't realize that these are assumptions. But the, the thing on this show, and you, you probably know this because you, you've been on at least once before talking about Project Core, was that uh, uh, assumptions are fine. We're working on assumptions, and we have to kind of be okay with that. I ate, sure. some, I ate really fast, like in the last five minutes before we started talking. To, <laughs> cause, so I'm, like, I'm trying to keep from going into the microphone. That's uh, quite all right. Yeah, I've um, done that. I've done that myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just on um, uh, 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 Adam Sane's show, um, talking about I don't know a hundred different things, but almost two hours. And then I talked to somebody who's questioning my uh, recent uh, talk at U- National UFO Congress. I mean, uh, International UFO Congress in right. a good way, which was great because I wanted somebody to really start like grilling me on. It. It's like, well, have you considered this, and what's wrong with it? And right. that was great. And then I had 10 minutes to make food and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was on, I was on uh, Ciara's show, uh, what, last, last weekend or the weekend before? Soraya? And I, I, yeah, Soraya. I had, to, uh, uh, I had to go pick up a guitar in, uh, at Maryland Line, and I'm about uh, 40 minutes away. So I go, I pick up the guitar, I come back, I literally walk in the door like 10 minutes before I'm supposed to go on air with him, <laughs> and I'm panting. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it yeah. was like an eighty mile an hour drive. So yeah, I feel your pain there. Yeah, I. Um, and the thing is, like, you, you think you have everything set up, so you're just kind of like, okay, right. I got it, I got it, and then you get there, it's like, oh god, I forgot this and that. You know right. how many you do not realize how many things I was adjusting and making sure was running in the time that that ed- intro was going. That's like a. Right. That's like a. <laughs> right. What is it? What uh, what's his name? Um, uh, who's a comedian? Louis C.K. He said, like going around the back of the car when you have kids to your side, it's this tiny little vacation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I had that tiny little vacation. Um, and Jeff Ritzman, how are you? Good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, to, to, uh, today was rather busy, but now this is my um, actually relaxing time when I get to talk to you. Uh, I don't know how many people know you from anything except for you were on my show before with uh, Jeremy and Tyler Coke John talking about right. Project Core. Right. Um, the reason I had you guys on for that is I thought, hey, somebody's actually doing something different instead of just complaining about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to be the lazy asshole host and say, could you please describe what Project Core was? And then more interestingly, um, since the show a couple of years ago, a year and a half, something ago, has you know has new information come in and are you continuing with uh, core and yeah exactly explain it and yeah what, what's new yeah. on core now because I I'd like to know well what uh, what project core was 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 literally me getting uh, as you said uh, tired and disgusted over um, and nothing nothing really going forward that could be considered quote unquote academic type work I guess. Uh, if you want to call it that, um, something that was really non-committal and wasn't looking for a predetermined outcome, and so I got together with Tyler Cochon and Jeremy Vaney and um, uh, and a couple PhDs that, that Tyler knew that that came with, and um, we kind of devised this questionnaire that that asked questions that I had been asking for 20 years in this field, which was, you know, what's your ancestral heritage? Uh, when you're talking about people who report paranormal events, um, you know what kind of IQ have you ever taken an IQ test, and what what kind of score did you get? Um, uh, you know what's your blood type? Uh, have you ever experimented with an occult practice or 
you know, so, so things like this. And uh, and some of them, you know, from the PhD side of things, went for, um, are you epileptic? Uh, is there any history of schizophrenia in your family? Right. Uh, I mean, so, some really uh, interesting and probing questions. And so we kind of amalgamated those together. They're legit. And, you know, into 20 um, questions. And, and, uh, and at the end of that, uh, there was an option to essentially write down uh, an account for yourself. Uh, in other words, what happened to you and what has happened to you over your life? Um, and so all of those things kind of got uh, compiled. Uh, well, we collected them for over a year and then you know worked on it for another two years probably to get it all compiled together and cross-referenced and, and whatnot. And, and again, it was a preliminary kind of study and it wasn't uh, – uh, wasn't looking for any kind of uh, astounding or sensational answer. It was just looking for what are the commonalities in people. The people is the emphasis here right. that report paranormal events. What kind of similarities do they have? Um, and we found some interesting ones. But again, we have to confirm now these these kind of results. Um, and uh, and where is it going right now? It. It, it's kind of a teetering on a, a one direction or another. Uh, I, I've thought, could I get the funding together to actually take it the next step further and verify two items, namely uh, the blood type uh, and the possibly the IQ? Because right. um, uh, these are two things that came up uh, as, as kind of common. There were common traits uh, in some cases. And so – um, you know, the best way to, to verify these is to actually send these things to uh, our, 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 our survey takers and, and, and see what kind of results that we get back. But, um, uh, but that seems, I don't know, invasive uh, to a lot of people, I'm sure. Like, will yeah. everybody actually partake in something like that? I honestly don't know. Um, but uh, but – and then the other half of it is going towards, uh, you know, do we – construct a different study that kind of approaches it from a a different direction which is a little bit about what my blog is about and a little bit about i don't know kind of what this project that that uh this project oculus that i'm doing now is kind of about um which is looking at liminal states and looking at uh the things that surround a paranormal event now we've established yes these people have had some kind of weird event um um and, and while we don't talk about the specifics of what they wrote to us as far as their account goes. But I can tell you some of these were inexplicably weird. Um, uh, just, uh, just, uh, blow your mind weird. And, yeah. um, and, and this is, this is something that I've been talking about for, you know, <laughs> probably at least 25 years or more that, you know, yeah, uh, you, you talk about a paranormal event, you talk about in particular the, the alien visitation thing. And, you know, we're fed this 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 scenario that uh, that the uh, so-called research community has kind of put out in ufology, um, which everybody f- is familiar with at this point. And you know, in fact, when you actually talk to people who've had this strange experience, they talk about something a hell of a lot more weird, a hell of a lot more bizarre and disjointed, and um, uh, you know, and, and that's what we got. We got a lot of that in the in the accounts, and so so you um, you asked people uh, uh, along with your questionnaire. You said, "Well, w- yeah, without 
us being any influence on you, what the hell happened to you? And it was all over the map. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, I mean, it, there was a. I mean, judging from the audience that we had, uh, w- which Jeremy and I had Paratopia for going for four plus years, um, and and had our own podcast before then. Right. Um, you know, yeah, there was a, there was a kind of a, I don't know, a, a predisposition to the UFO thing. I think a little bit. Right. But we did get ghost. We did get weird ESP things. We did get some that you really you could look at and go, well, I don't know how to define that. You know, like I don't know how to define that, um, and uh, and and there are Good. there are still these these things out there that are happening uh, to people that you'd be hard pressed to go. Yeah, I think that fits into a ghost thing, or no, that seems more alien to me, or. You know, you just look at this and you go, "Well, what is that? How does that fall into anything?" Well, does that yet, d- d- you know? Go ahead. D- d- does that mean that the era of categorization is behind us, possibly? Oh, wouldn't or- that be great? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean that'd be great. Um, you know, because there is so much overlap. I mean, as you probably know, it's, it's, there's a lot of overlap between um, ghost phenomena and UFOs, and there's a lot of overlap between psi phenomena and UFOs, and um, like you know, I mean, zoological stuff. Yeah, all yeah. This- I mean, it's like it's all over the place. You, you look at Bigfoot sightings, and and you know, within a five mile radius, and and a week's time, you've got a UFO sighting. I mean, it, it's it's like you know, people are aware of this stuff, but it's kind of like uh, amazing that 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 there's like this amnesia that goes on. You know, like we find these things out, and we look at them, and we go, hmm, okay, how about those Roswell slides? Um, you know, when there's so much more interest in, you know, what, what is that overlap? Like, what is that? And why is there overlap in, you know, in certain avenues and not others? And, yeah. you know, what is, what do we mean when we say, you know, a paranormal event? What do we mean when we say real or not real? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we seem, uh, you know, or the, the field seems to be more fascinated in, you know, shiny objects and being distracted than, than, than going there, which is a shame. So, yeah, I, I actually do notice that more people are maybe younger people or people that are coming up have less of an idea that there are barriers between these things. And right. more of an idea that, um, you know, look at these connections. And two, more importantly, as you've been saying for quite a while here, is ask the damn witnesses what happened. Don't assume what happened or throw it's like, you know, did this. I'll tell you a great story. You will love this. It will just, it'll bring your dander right up. Okay. <laughs> I spoke yeah. to a, a, a MUFON investigator uh, a few weeks ago. And he was describing this great case where, you know, uh, uh, a bunch of weird stuff had happened. Like, you know, there was, there was strange animals and, and orbs following a car and all this. And he called, you know, the, the, apparently the, the witness's father knew that, uh, that, uh, that MUFON was around and that they could be called. So he called them up and said, could somebody, you know, have an investigator talk to my daughter here that's had this weird experience. He called her up. He got all, you know, it's like, what happened? You know, where, how fast was the car going? Uh, what, what did the animal look like? How big was it? What did you do? You know, what time of day? How long did this take? Whole thing, you know, completely um, run of the mill, I guess. Way of, and then he said, uh, he, the guy said, I asked her if she had any health problems at all or was experiencing any. And she said, no, no, I'm fine. I just kind of weirded out about my experience. 
And he said, okay, and then I started in on the uh, other parts of the questions. The first thing I asked her was, have you experienced any migraines or headaches? As soon as he said that, I said, you shouldn't have asked her that. <laughs> yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah well, it, it's funny that you say that because about uh, the next day we were following up a little bit. And she said that about an hour after I hung up the phone with her, she got a horrible migraine headache that lasted all night. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the guy and, refused to acknowledge to me that maybe he might have suggested to her and somewhere in her subconscious, she thought this guy knows what he's talking about. He is trying yeah. to help me. He is basically kind of a therapist in a way. And he suggests to me that maybe I should have a headache somewhere. Okay. I guess part of this experience and getting through it is having a big fat headache. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that, and how that and, kind of and stuff people, bothers me. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and people who listen to uh to Paratopia when we interviewed uh Dr. Lillenfeld back in the days where we were tackling into the hypnotic recall thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he made it really clear and this is to me is utterly terrifying. Um that uh what is it? Uh, dissociative dis- dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. Uh, otherwise previously known as multiple personality disorder. Um they were at at that point in time that many years ago were really considering the idea that such a condition did not exist until the therapist pot potentially mentioned it to the subject and then <laughs> yeah. the subject exhibited the the display of of that malady so you know um yeah, yeah, something like what you describe is exactly. I mean, that follows right in line with that. You know, like the the whole thing of suggestibility with these experiences. It's it's a it's a wide open bag. I mean, you got to really be careful in what you ask and how you ask. I mean, we, these twenty twenty questions that we used. I mean, my God, it took. I guarantee it took every bit of a month to to formulate those and to get them into such a a way that. Uh, you know, that people didn't feel like their lives were being probed, <laughs> you know, because yeah. there are certain things that you ask people, um, you know, like, what is your relationship to altered states? I mean, something like that might, might, well, what does that mean? What do you mean by that? Do I get high? Well, what am I get high? I'm off the list. I mean, no, that's no, not no, absolutely no, 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 not what no. we It's a data point. That's, not, that's all. Right. Exactly. And so, uh, to, to ask those questions, uh, you know, was a little bit. We we didn't walk on eggshells, but we were real careful about how we phrased them and and when we ordered them, how we ordered them together, um, to get yeah. you know some really clear answers from people. And we did, um, and and they're interesting. And uh, if anybody is interested in looking at them, you can go to uh, uh, paratopiaoculus.com. That's p a r a t o p i a o c u l u s dot com. And across the top, you'll see Project Core. If you click on that link, um, that'll take you to the page where you can download the PDFs of commentaries, the synopsis of results, uh, both in graphical form and written form, mm-hmm. and and go through it. I mean, it's a lot to go through, and it's not like you know, it's dry. <laughs> yeah. So it's not you know. Have you had any feedback? Um, one from the UFO investigator, believer, whatever you want to call it, abduction research community, and two, have you maybe more importantly, if you have, have you had any feedback from outside of that, like from the mental health community? Um, <laughs> well, the interesting bit was uh, what we kind of expected from uh, the paranormal slash UFO community about it, which was we thought that they would genuinely be interested because. Um, you know, this is something that people 
kind of cry for a lot, um, which is, can we get science involved in this? Can we get science to do anything for us in the way of an objective um, you know, study of some kind? And so here was kind of that first step. Um, when we started the project, there was a lot of interest in it. And then as time went on, uh, we worked on it. We got it ready. We were telling people it's on its way. We're, we're getting things compiled. Statistics take a lot of time to do, even in a small 20-question survey. Um, right. And so, um, you know, you, you do this, and um, uh, and finally people are starting to cry for it. Like, where is it? Come on, guys, let's go. And finally we publish it um, uh, on a single page, and that single page got 20 page views. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, well, there it is. I mean, there it is. And, um, uh, and I'm not bitter, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it is it's one of those things where I go wow really folks really um okay um uh, I, and I and I, 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 and I bet I the reaction I, will come in a way that you do not expect and a lot later than you want it to oh I'm sure I'm sure um as far as you know maybe like an academic response I don't know that there's been a scientific response really um other than the project core team kind of talking in emails to this day really um about um, some of the answers that we got and some of the stories that we got and kind of mulling them over, um, not necessarily to decide where to go next, uh, because that's kind of on me, I guess, at this point to, to say, where does this go next? Um, but, uh, as far as, you know, an academic standpoint, you know, I sent it off to Jeff Kripal, I sent it off to Jacques Vallée to go through it and, uh, and they're both busy and I get it, you know, like it's another survey to read. Um, so I haven't heard much on that end either, but, um, you know, I've thought about uploading the entire ball of wax to like academia.edu or something and, and just seeing what, what the peers would say about it there. Cause you'll get people to read your paper and give you feedback, constructive criticism. Yeah. Um, and I'm always up for that, you know, like, Hey, if we did something, yeah, I mean, you got to have more eyes on the scene to uh, make it happen. So that's what we were going for. Yeah. Uh, you said when you were describing what people had told you that some extremely strange stuff came out. And I know people like strange stories and, and UFO and abduction porno. So, And you know what I mean by porno, just like <laughs> weird, cool, interesting story. What was sure. the strangest, probably the most full of implications thing, in your opinion, that you got, if you can describe it? I guess you can because it's anonymous. Oh. Um. I well, I could, but that was part of the that was part of the disclaimer on the study oh, was that you would never really write or talk about them. Okay, but I mean, no, I can I can easily say that there were um, that there were things in there that um, and, and it wasn't. And I don't know of any one story that I can think of off the top of my head that was the most bizarre thing I'd ever heard. They were just all um, mishmash of totally off the map things. I mean, there, there was there was a, a nice smattering across the board of weird stuff. Um, but, uh, some of it you just look at and you're like, okay, it's, it's, it's what I've said about some of my own experiences with this stuff. It's like, no, this is way too dumb to make up. Like if I was going <laughs> to make some up, it'd be a lot more contiguous and a lot more interesting um, or whatever story driven, narrative driven yeah. than this. Yeah. And it's just, it's not narrative. It's like all of a sudden this happens and we're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and you know, and um, you know, and and see, the next part of that is, 
do we want to ask the questions? Well, again, during your paranormal experience, let's focus on that. Let's forget the questionnaire for now. Let's say, you know, you saw the UFO, uh, it landed in the backyard and a large rabbit got out. So now I'm not saying we got this as a, as a response or not, but this is a thing that's come up for me lately. Um, not in my personal experience, but in people that I've talked to, um, you know, okay. When that happened, uh, what was your life going? What was going on in your life at the moment? Mm-hmm. Um, were you were you laid off? Were you in the midst of a divorce? Or were you and your wife having trouble? Um, you know, uh, uh, were you changing jobs? Had you moved your residence? Uh, you know, anything like that? Anything that was a sense of upheaval or chaos or change? Was something like that going on? Um, now I wouldn't come out and ask that directly. I would say. What was your life situation at the time? Right, exactly. Um, I was I was about to say, wait, yeah. wait a minute, wait, wait. Oh, okay. No, yeah. no, no. We're not going to get that specific. It's just <laughs> right, like, exactly. what is your what what is your thing, and um, and see what we get, you know. And I, you know, like I said, I I can hedge a bet, <laughs> you know, what we yeah. would get. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's um uh, it, it's ama- I'll put it to you this way: it's amazing the amount of responses that we got because we had a lot of listeners. I mean, a lot of listeners. And um, and I knew a lot of the listeners. I knew them by name. Yeah. Uh, and so I was surprised and, and amazed when I saw names coming through, which they didn't have to give us. Right. But some people in their description said, hi, it's so-and-so. And uh, people that I didn't know. I mean, that I, I, we, did, we had never heard of. And uh, they were – they were submitting really interesting accounts, uh, multiple accounts, often many times over the course of a lifetime, um, and filling out the questions uh, as best they could. And so that's like really appreciated stuff. Um, so you know, I think every I think every show, including your own, probably has people that listen that you have no idea they're even there, but they don't talk about this. They just listen and take what they can from what you present. So yeah, trying um, to make sense that was really, it. that was pretty gratifying actually to, to see that kind of thing happen. Yeah. Well, I think they're doing it because they're trying to make sense of things and they're, they're kind of searching around to find out, you know, what wavelength actually fits the weirdness I'm trying to deal with. Right. And, uh, some, some find it here and some find it other places. Yeah, but um, yeah, I th- it, that's the, a big part of it. Is you know, and this is my the the thing in the the essay that I have coming out in that book, um, the the the, uh, the UFOs uh, reframing the debate is you know how much of this is, and maybe we can talk about this just to be, and I, I think you'd be interested to in talk about it. Sure. How how much of it is how much of this stuff is do you think, and maybe the people that you have talked to think is internal to them trying to make sense of something that makes no sense externally if you know what i mean uh both from yours and their viewpoint i'm just i this is a open-ended question trying to you know kind of support or go deeper into what i'm thinking about right now which is you know uh, a lot of it comes from the person um and their background and that that makes the thing more unknowable and I want to find out how we can make it more knowable uh, by getting us out of the equation so much. Maybe we can't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can't, and that's part of the answer. But you, well, you know I mean, what I'm getting at. Yeah, certainly. By but by the observer, you know, is is going to be the only eyes on the the whatever right. um, that's going to show up. So I kind of you know you're always going to view this thing through the the three the three pound universe between your ears. So yeah. it's always going to be hard to kind of separate that out from anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think that uh, I think there is a 
a portion. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, anymore. I hate to say this. I don't focus so much on whatever weird manifestation is what somebody reports. I'm way more into um, what surrounds it, what is their life experiences at that time, because um, there's some serious consistencies there. And I always said in the paranormal, if you're looking for that, you're in the wrong place, but hmm. maybe not in that place. Um, but yeah, I do think that um, uh, I think there is a I've, – I've likened this thing, if you want to talk about just the manifestation of it. I look at it kind of sometimes like a feedback loop. And um, and I think that there is a, a, a my my go to kind of example is uh, you know as 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 a guy who plays guitar it's like you know digital delay boxes you know are are great fun to play around with you know David Gilmore used a digital delay on or a tape delay on the wall that 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 you hear in you know and and stuff like that's great to play around with and if you hit a note. Uh, on a digital delay at the slowest repetitive rate, you'll get the doot, 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 doot. And as you turn that rate up and you shorten the space between the delays, right. it turns into this weird, very strange sound that warbles up and down and just seems to be some some psychotic version of its original note. And I think that that is really uh, – uh, kind of a neat comparison to make in that yeah, yeah. I think sometimes you think about a certain thing or there's a certain style or thematic or novelty in your mind about something and this thing can grab that, pull it out, twist it six ways from Sunday and then throw it back at you and go, is that what you're after? Um, <laughs> you know, not, not like that's the, not the, not like there's an actual entity, not, you know, thing pulling this together, but, um, there does seem to be this uh, – it's a two-way street type of operation going on, at least to me. Um, I've seen that uh, I've seen that plenty over the years. And, uh, you know, so I don't know how much of it is uh, – is, uh, I mean, I, if I go further into that, it's like how much of it is concocted by us to manifest as such. Mm-hmm. That I don't – I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't even hazard. It. I think, like right. to me, it's you're like, not averse I'm, I'm, to that idea, but you would not be able to guess what the because per- my idea was a percentage was everywhere from zero to ninety nine point nine nine nine, almost all of it, and it depends on the situation yeah. and the person and all that. I mean, yeah, it does. I think. I mean, I mean, certainly the person, because um, uh, I think there's always these things are always precipitated by some kind of action. Like there's an action that goes on. Uh, before or around a paranormal event, and um, and, and so whatever that something is, uh, does that have an effect on what manifests or what presents or what have you? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not uh, uh, I'm not that far in, <laughs> not that far in yet. I think it's a little preeminent pre pre uh, mature. Uh, yeah, premature for something like like that for me to start talking uh, in that direction. So. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I definitely see your point. Um, and I'm certainly not adverse to it. I think, you know, this is something I've kind of been saying for a while that, yeah, that's, that's probably how this thing, um, how this thing kind of gives you an envelope to work in. Um, (laughs) but I certainly, I'm certainly a a big proponent of like Jeff Kripal's, uh, work who is big on, you know, this is about narrative and story and, Right. Um, and it is kind of 
you know, we are kind of somehow authoring, authoring this, uh, or at least the way it presents to us. Um, I think that's a really interesting thing to go. I think Jeff and, and George Hansen are probably two of the guys that, um, that have pushed the furthest out from all this nonsense. So, yeah, um, I like to, to toy. F- I like to toy with Kripal stuff. Uh, Hansen stuff is more the stuff that I work within. So, oh but, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, see, I've I've never finished um, uh, Hansen's book and Kripal. I'm still trying to get through. Um, uh, oh, what is it? Saints? What's it called? Uh, well, I know, I know authors of the impossible and. Um, and mutants and mystics. That's it. Are Mut- the two mutants that I and like. mystics are are uh, is the one that I'm trying to get through now, and I've I've still not finished uh, Hanson's book, and everybody kicks me for it because <laughs> I, I, I'm afraid if I read it, I'll suddenly go down that you know that uh, uh, that pathway. But uh, you know, it's um it's it's Im- it's important part of the uh, education for you and I and everybody I know that are into this kind of stuff at this angle. Um, yeah. Yeah, which um, it, it, it's uh, it's it's not a normal way to look at it, and it's not something. Have you ever people come up to you that are really not into it all, or they've seen the X Files, and they'd say, "Well, what do you think it is?" And you start explaining, and they just look they, like that Bill Hicks thing. They look at you like a dog that's been shown a card trick. Yeah, because one <laughs> one they're yeah one they're not yeah. interested that much, and two there's no way for them to have gone through all, all this information. So you know, how do you deal with that when somebody that is completely untutored in it? And just, you know, just kind of wants to know what's the, you know, what is the short version you give someone? I don't even know what my short version is. What, what's the one you give? Yeah, I get, I get the, uh, I get the, can I get the Reader's Digest version of what you think is going on? I don't and I'm think like, you want that, you know? I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, even the Reader's Digest version is like, you know, uh, where do you want to go to talk about this? Because you're going to have to stand for a while. Um, yeah, and it's not saying you know, somebody's and, stupid or, you know, whatever. It's just kind of no, like, it, in, you, you really want to know, you're going to have to sit here for a couple minutes because, it yeah. took me many years to get to the point I'm at now, and it's probably way off the map. And <laughs> and I want yeah. you to know that before I get into it, because uh, if if you're not interested at any point, just tell me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mostly tell people things like, um, um, it, it, it's really nothing that you that you that you think. I mean, the the notion of. Uh, you know, little green men from another planet and that sort of thing and, and the spirits of the dead and all those. I mean, those are all kind of still on the table, but clearly, yeah. you know, I, if, if nothing else, I think um, I think all of these stories and when you can get the backstory on some of the stories, uh, which sometimes in these conventions that you go to in the bar area, you can really get there with some yeah. people. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to uh, tell you. Yeah, I mean it's it's that's that's where you can really um, you could say like okay so what was going on aside from all that and you know and I tell people um, you know the 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 meme that it shows you or shows us as a phenomena and what you've always heard about on TV and in search of and all these shows um, it really doesn't um, it really doesn't come close to that um, it's it's uh, it's a lot more complica- complicated than that and. Um, you know, if you want to talk about it, I'm fine talking about it, but it, just be aware um, you'll probably fall asleep before. <laughs> you know, I mean, if they're not seriously into it, they're not interested in. Yeah. In, yeah. And, and I got to be honest with you, most of the time, uh, when it's people my age or a little older, um, they don't get it anyway. So it doesn't matter. Young people um, get it far more. 
um, I think these days than than and and George will tell you he told me this. I mean, uh, he said you know uh, uh, people my age, meaning his age, they don't get it and they don't want to get it um, and they can't be bothered. Um, but the fact is, is that uh, you know I'm seriously contemplating a a, a survey that will. Uh, bear out some kind of l- legitimate statistical results that will show that that there are similarities not only in the people, um, but in the lives that they were leading during the event, you know, or enveloping the event. And right. that is critical to me. Like that is uber critical because if if you can, and that's what the blog is largely about. That I started. I was, I was going to uh, segue into that at some point, but let's yeah. do that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. Because I and I've done exactly what you what you said. It's like how do I give them the Reader's Digest version? And the answer is you don't. Um, it's not a soundbite, and it's not. Uh, and if you don't care about this stuff, then you're you're not. It's no place for you to be. Like if yeah. this is like a passing fad or a hobby for you, this is no place you want to be. Um, and I'm not no, being because, a smart ass about no, that. No, no, no. It's, it's because you really need to. If you, it's like anything. If you re- like, if somebody started talking to me about deep, deep tennis game, I would have no idea what they were talking about because I haven't been <laughs> okay. playing tennis for thirty years or twenty years or whatever it is. Exactly. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, and you. I mean, and it's like you know, I, 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 I was talking to George on Friday night and. Uh, uh, and I said, you know, I, I, I used to be a young guy of 22 and 23 years old and and talking to, uh, you know, um, one of my heroes, Dick Hall and and uh, and and Bruce McAbee, another guy that I knew I've known since I was 23 years old. And and, you know, I always came away from talking with especially Dick. I used to come across like he's so cynical about this stuff like he, you know, <laughs> he he really is like he's so anti a lot of stuff and you know and now here i am gonna be 50 this year and like i totally get it i totally understand why why they were like that and especially why dick was like that um you know and and it's it's uh it's not it's not being um dismissive or anything like that it's just like yeah we've already done that dance uh you know let's 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 go someplace new let's look at something new um and so this whole thing of, um, you know, liminality and, and anti-structure and all these things uh, is really hard to get your head around because they're abstract things that you have to overlay onto the paranormal in general. Um, and so, uh, you know, the idea that a lot of people don't get it when George told me that um, it distressed me greatly. <laughs> and so I, I said, well, I think I got a way I can – do this, and I think I have a way that I can expand on my own thoughts on this as well. At yeah, the same well, there's time. the key. I mean, you shouldn't really yeah. care what other people or whoever gets it because you right. will accrete to you the people that are interested in what you're doing, and you guys can all Correct. discover something together and become your own. Because it complaining about what other people do, I was done with that for a, about four or five years ago. I finally said, you know what, I'm going to quit whining about people that I think are stupid or wrong or whatever, <laughs> and concentrate <laughs> yeah. on stuff that makes me happy and makes me learn things. And, you know? and and gives you some feeling that um, that there is progress at least in your mind of understanding certain things. Yes, and exactly. That's, and that's what I was devoid of um, 
you know, before, I don't know, 10 years ago when I first spoke to George or somewhere around 10 years. Um, and he, you know, in one discussion, he pretty much changed my entire ontological view of the paranormal. Yeah. And Dean um, Radin did that to me. A light went off in my head and I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious? And then I start looking in my own life. I start looking in other people that I know and I start looking at major cases and it's all right there. Um, and so, you know, I started this blog, The Numinous Den, um, because that's just a weird enough name uh, to at least make people look. Yeah. Uh, and it's um, a great name. You know, and, and so I basically just kind of um, I, I started off with, you know, here's what we're going to talk about. And now here's the terminology that we're going to use as we talk about this. And here's what those terms mean. And now we're kind of into this bit of um, uh, I'm showing really basic examples of what this means and how it fits into cases that people know and love from over the years. So in the future, we're going to do golf breeze and we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the contactee people. We're going to talk about the Meyer case. We're going to talk about, I mean, all these cases like, you know, uh, through, I don't through, the limit, through the liminal lens, through the, through the marginal lens, through the liminal lens, through mm. the, the notion of anti-structure and, and, and the marginality of, of even, uh, the figureheads or the talking heads of ufology. I mean, um, and again, I'm I'm not. Uh, I'm gonna and I'm gonna say this on your show before anybody else's. Uh, that you know, nothing I'm writing in here is gonna be mean or uh, you know, uh, backstabbish or anything like that. Or put <clears> down or anything point. like that. No, that's totally not what I'm going for. But you know, there are things you have to point out about. Uh, marginality that that figures very heavily into this, and uh, maybe and so, you should explain a little bit what what you mean by marginal, <clears throat> by liminal, and by transitional, oh, okay. and all the things you talk about. Because yeah. I've I've read a lot of your articles uh, on Nuministan, two of them today, uh-huh. and a few a, little, a few weeks ago. Yeah, but yeah. Sure. Explain what you mean, because then we can have a basis of uh, what how you're framing um, the rest of the talk here about uh, about the sure. blog. Sure. Um, well, I mean, uh, anti-structure is um, kind of the state where there's a loss of routine. Like that's my favorite kind of overlay to put on that. It's like when you, you have a loss of structured life, uh, you have an absence of pattern um, or you know disorganization, disruption. Um, it's not particularly a tough – definition to get a hold of and, and to make sense of it in your head. So, But you see it in so many different forms as it applies to the paranormal stuff, but we'll leave that for later. But, um, uh, you know, in the case of investigating or studying paranormal stuff, you, you find people who are experiencing phenomena, they're in some kind of matter of disarray. Uh, stress, uh, loss of a job, loss of income, divorce, moving to a new home, uh, renovating a home. I mean, my favorite scenario is the one you hear all the time on TV, in books. The couple, they get married, they buy a house. It's a fixer-upper because they're young. They can't afford much. They yeah, live there's there. There's one for, of those on, your, on the blog, actually. Yeah, exactly. They live there for six weeks. Nothing happens. They start to renovate. Boom. You know, I mean, they can't eat in their kitchen. They can't sleep in their bedroom. I mean, I laid this whole scenario out and it's, you know, this is when paranormal seems to happen. And again, this is not uh, pointing a finger and going, you know, hey, dummies, listen to this. It's uh, it's one of those things where the 
the way that the rest of the field would interpret that or that at that event would be well they disturbed the spirits in the house and and that it you know like and i understand that people even maybe some of your listeners like they're good with that kind of explanation like that that kind of thing disturbs the spirits that reside in the house and so they act out um and you know you only have to point out one time that that's assuming that it's spirits <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, you, you, I, I was going to ask you about the deeper baseball on this, but that's exactly where and, we're going. And and that's the uh, and and now you're going inside to, baseball. Yeah, you're going to pretend to know the mind of a spirit that they would be upset by this. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, all of these things go make you go. Well, that makes no sense then, right? It doesn't. So here, let's look at this. You know, um, uh, and so you know, you can even look at uh, anti structure as like a, an extended vacation. Um, some kind of obsession with like an artistic endeavor or a creative endeavor where somebody's working on a painting and they don't like shower for three days and they sleep on the couch while they finish their painting and right. you know because artists do this kind of thing right, and right. Uh, um, and so you could be writing, playing music, visual art, whatever, um, and so it doesn't always have to be some terrible, devastating thing to be anti-structure. It just can be someone who lives a life that is not structured or routine. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, liminal liminality is like harder. Um, hmm. but the best way I guess to get into that is to, is to say it's, it's a, a transitional period. It's a, um, it's when you're between things. Uh, but it's, so much more than that. It's, um, uh, you know, I, I, would look, I mean, look at a poltergeist. I mean, a poltergeist usually affects um, uh, a, 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 the female is the one that we always hear about, but it's male as well. Um, just not as prominent as, as a, a female encounter with a, a poltergeist. And nine times out of ten, nine point nine pine percent, like you're saying, um, that ends up being uh, a girl, adolescent. In not a little girl anymore, but not a woman yet, and they're in that liminal period. That's where the poltergeist thing erupts from, um, and I think that's pretty well accepted. Which is odd that that kind of notion is accepted, but others aren't. <laughs> um, and so you've got that. You've got um, uh, you know, I talked about a, like a loss of a job. That brings right. a loss of daily routine, but also puts one in a liminal state because now you're what between jobs, right? right? So this is what we everybody, everybody always says, um, and so um, there's liminal places, like, um, and and I guarantee you won't hear this from a lot of paranormal, as in ghost hunter people. Um, there's a lot more weirdness reported on steps in houses than there are on solid floors. <laughs> Which is weird because that's the liminal space between floors. It's not the first floor and it's not the second floor. Yeah. Um, doorways uh, too, maybe. Doorways are are liminal places, um, and um, you know, so are you know, again, homes being restored or renovated. Uh, construction sites have an abnormally high percentage of UFO sightings around construction sites. Um, you know, all of these things kind of. Um, uh, kind of say in the liminal thing, it's uh, there's liminal people where they themselves are liminal. Um, the adolescent boy or girl is one, um, but there's also you know uh, people undergoing sexual reassignment, you know uh, that sort of thing, transvestites, cross dressing, um, 
you know, again, in in terms of culture, uh, the shaman is uh, typically somebody who is very androgynous looking, behaves very androgynous looking, may look like a woman but be a man. Um, so that's it, – it, it all kind of surrounds um, I guess a larger thing which is what blew my mind, which is the notion of that ritual is often found in the liminal period. So you know, you have a ritual of um, – uh, I mean, you can go as easy as a birthday party is a, a sort of quote unquote ritual that celebrates you're not 49, but you're not 50 yet. Um, right. You know, you can, you can say a marriage is like you're not single anymore, but you're not man and wife, but you're in that liminal period, and we celebrate that with ritual. So, um, and and I one hit me because my wife's father passed away um, in November, and. Um, you know, we spent, I think it was two days with him in the funeral home, and then we had the burial, and then we went to eat at one of the sisters' house, and everybody came. And I always looked at that, and I said, you know, that's just a way of kind of thanking everybody for coming and for the flowers and for being there for the family. Um, and then you wonder, like, where did that come from? Where did the, the notion of the getting together to eat food and drink, where did that come And you find out that's wickedly old. I mean, that's been going on for, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of years that this has happened. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, again, you're affirming that you are alive and the person you left is not. And here's that line in the sand. And, you know, the the dead don't cross this line. This is where this is. So that's, again, a kind of a ritualistic right. uh, operation. Uh -huh. When you look at life in general, every liminal state. Uh, will have some kind of ritual. And when that ritual is sort of, I don't know, bypassed or ignored or you don't even think about it, then you start to get these weird things. And I think that that is a product. I think the ritual parts are um, a product of our culture, our world, our populace, recognizing that when something changes, something happens. And to avoid that something happening, we, we must do this. So or, or is an easier way to, to recognize the transition uh, on right. a more mundane level. Uh, oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the um, thing that brings to mind when you say that, is, and you can finish your thought here in a second, but was the yeah. uh, the fact that Michael Shermer, as you mentioned in your thing, and I heard this, I, I think uh, Paul Davids had mentioned this, and I'd heard it before, about the thing that happened during his wedding. Right. Yeah. You know, one of the most one of the most renowned or whatever famous skept people spokesmen for skepticism had a weird mm -hmm. thing happen to him, and to his infinite credit, he acknowledged it. Yes. But yes. it was during Amazingly it was during a wedding too. and during a time yeah. of liminal time for his wife too, or his, his fiance. Yes. Yes. I mean, I mean she, and that whole that whole event was steeped in liminality. I mean, just steeped in it everywhere you look. I mean, please, his, his, his <laughs> please bride go ahead. was, you know, his bride was from Germany and she was relocating to the United States. Liminal one, yeah. uh, they're getting married. Liminal two, um, you know, they're in an anti-structural situation because she's coming to a country she doesn't know and moving into a, a house, and it's all very chaotic. And then the planning of a wedding and having people over and her stress of not having her family there. I mean, my God, if something didn't happen, I would have been shocked. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was the perfect storm. And of course, being Michael Shermer, it's like, yeah, this, this shook him 
obviously enough to write about it, and I give him all due credit for that because he took a, an enormous amount of heat for that article, and yeah. um, what, what, which is unfortunate. You know? Yeah, for people don't that don't know what what happened to famous skeptic Michael Shermer during his <laughs> wedding or right before his wedding ceremony. I guess it was at his house. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I assume it was probably at his house. Um, yeah, because it involved uh, yeah, the radio, like I, so that was in his yeah. house. Yeah, well, his wife uh, had relocated from Germany, and um, she was having all of her uh, belongings sent over, and there was some kind of mishap with the shipping, and a lot of the things, family heirlooms and whatnot, were damaged. Mm-hmm. And her grandfather uh, had passed away, and um, and one of the things that was saved was his little transistor radio that he used to listen to. And um, and it didn't work, and it hadn't worked in years, and um, – and and Michael he tra- he tinkered with it a little bit and threw it in a drawer and it didn't work, and um, uh, and so I believe it was on their wedding day she was kind of melancholy because she didn't have anybody there like all of her relatives obviously were overseas, and she said I wish my grandfather was here to give me away, um, and so as they were and it was his you know, radio too, it was his radio yes, um, and so. Uh, um, this thing had laid in a drawer for what a week or more, and uh, uh, and I think as they completed um, their vows, um, they kind of it, he either wanted to talk to her in private or she wanted to talk to him in private, and they heard this music, and it was like a romantic ballad playing, uh, kind of a classic romantic song, and it was the grandfather's radio. It just all you know, uh, you know just started playing completely and spontaneously. And so when he asked another person who was kind of not at the front of the ceremony, but towards the back, towards the room where the radio was, she said, yeah, that started exactly as you were exchanging your vows, like at that moment. (laughs) Um, And so it played um, uh, a romantic ballad. It played romantic music all day. Uh, They listened to it as they went to sleep. And when they woke up, it had stopped playing and has not played since. Um, so again, I mean, you know, do you do you? It's like I said on the blog. Do you want to kind of um, resolve that to its coincidence? Uh, you know that yeah. she mentions her grandfather. They're getting married, and it starts, and it hasn't worked in years. And I mean, come on. I mean, how much do you want to ascribe to luck um, when all of these things are are in place? All of these marginal parts are in place because um, you know, again. Um, marginal is uh, is an easy thing to 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 describe because that's kind of the last uh, tenant or one of the last. Um, uh, it seems a derogatory thing to say, uh, and it's not meant to be that way. Um, uh, and this is weird because it's often the segment that the skeptic uses to dismiss the paranormal event or report or witness. Um, but it's uh you know it's one of those things where you talk about the quality of the messenger. Um, uh, and my old uh, late friend Russ Estes used to talk to me at length about the quality of the messenger um, uh, and how in many reports of paranormal activity, um, these things comes to s- seem to come from sources that in one way or another are m- marginal. And, um, uh, and, and that uh, – and again, I wrote this on the blog. My favorite example is Ghost Hunters. You know, um, Here's two guys. <laughs> They got this TV show where they're using this these these this equipment that is uh, sophisticated equipment, and it's for the purpose of capturing spirit activity. And 
you know, they're collecting data and they're reporting to a, you know, a homeowner or a, a museum owner or what have you. And, uh, you know, they're plumbers. Um, and that's not, I'm not being despondent of, you know, of, uh, the plumbing, uh, profession by any stretch. It's, it's that they're not parapsychologists. They're not psychologists. They're not even academically all that great. Um, they're marginal people uh, for the pretense of doing this kind of work. They're not scientists. They're not academics. They're not – they're plumbers. I mean that's what they were. And at best, they're you know, paranormal enthusiasts. And so they, are, they would be categorized as marginal in that, in that kind of context. Right. Um, you know, and that doesn't that doesn't mean they're bad guys or that they're jerks or that they're faking stuff. Although I believe that happened at some point, but uh, <laughs> it's just that you know. I mean, another example is like only people in trailer parks see UFOs, right? That is the stereotype that's been around as long as I've been in this. And you know, who are the uh, only people that are holding on to that now are these fundamentalist skeptics that you're talking uh, exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. And, and I make a difference between skepticism and fundamentalist skepticism. There's a huge difference. Oh, there is. Yeah, there so is. Yes. <laughs> um, but you know, that, that stereotype is just that it's a stereotype. It's not true. Um, but it, it, it's, it's kind of speaks to the notion that, the marginal has been recognized around the paranormal, and so we have that kind of analogy come up. And so Shermer, being a skeptic, I mean, how perfect is this? The skeptic that has talked out on public television and radio and podcasts for years now about how none of this is 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 uh, is worth a damn, uh, all of a sudden has this strange tale to tell. And so he's easily um, – uh, somebody that can be dismissed as well, you know. Under what pretenses he's telling this story? Is he setting us up for something? It's all. It's I'm automatically viewed as suspicious um, by that and by others. It's um, uh, he's in that marginal area because he's getting married to a woman who, in my mind, uh, has obviously some kind of belief in the afterlife or her grandfather uh you know uh coming to their ceremony because she said see my grandfather is here with us when she heard the radio playing right and exactly. so uh, so she was you know, receptive to it so she might have been yeah, the, so, a conduit so, in a way well and yeah and anybody listening to that on the skeptic end of things can say well of course he's going to he's going to placate to his new wife that yeah maybe the spirit came through and this shook his skepticism to the core and all that uh, but really, it's just about you know he's going along with the wife, so he's in a marginal position. He's in a marginal field where this kind of thing doesn't apply to him. It's just it's completely it's completely bizarro land for him. Um, and so you know, uh, marginality is 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 a tough one because there's marginal places. You know, there's to be um, uh, there's marginal times of day. Um, you know, but it's it's. Uh, I, I think that's the best way to describe it. Is you know, um, you know, creative people would be considered marginal, like you yeah. know, and that that seems an odd thing to say because I'm a creative person. But you know, it's like you're always put in that easily 
dismissed category when you report some hair-raising thing. Well, they've got the imagination or they've got the – so you're easily dismissed. It's kind of like what I used to refer to as the like the self-negating aspect of the paranormal. Yeah. That's kind of where that fits. So um, – but these are terms that you know that really figure hardcore into just about every case that you probably ever heard of, um, and the only reason that probably some of them don't is because nobody asked the right questions at the right time. Because um, these are facts. I mean, what what happened? What was going on in your life when such and such happened ten years ago? I mean, that's not a productive question to even ask because most people won't remember. Um, right. Exactly. So my point in this is. Um, can I get people to recognize these traits by pointing out examples in in famous cases that are right in front of you and you see them and before you know it, you're seeing them. Uh, and so therefore, we can kind of like all recognize that we all recognize this <laughs> um, instead of just saying – you know, instead of trying to put it to like, well, that's a sociological problem, or that's a psychiatric problem, or um, no, it's not. It's clearly not. Um, uh, and you had mentioned MUFON. I mean, um, MUFON being one of the largest, you know, research bodies into UFOs, international, right? I mean, international. Yeah. Uh, um, and you know, you, you just look at that. I mean. Walt Andrews headed that thing for 30 years, right? And right. since he left, they've had uh, – they have not had a, a, a leader of that group that has lasted more than six years. It's been a revolving door. Yes, exactly. Um, and that's – again, that's, uh, that's an interesting thing about uh, how anti-structure in these things affect groups of people and marriages. They're not good – it's not good for relationships and that kind of thing. Um, you may notice that a lot of paranormal groups – disintegrate really quickly like these alliances they never last um um and so mufon but on its own has lasted but it doesn't do the investigation it's the members that do that and those groups don't last long yeah. um you know you see competition and backbiting and infighting it's rampant right right and um you know and so a thing like mufon you know, it's a it's it marginalizes itself. Yeah, well, because, what you're saying yeah. here is it's it's because it is in, involved in something that's liminal and marginalized and all that that the that it kind of reflects back to it by being ephemeral and not really stable. Um, is that what? You, it, it, yeah, does it I work think, both ways? I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think it's it's when you or you can when say the people deal. that are in there are just aren't committed to stuff and they're flighty and all that. But that now you look at Andrus or or the or the Lorenzons or something, and that's not true. Right. Exactly. It's no. It's it. What it is is more along the lines of when you are investigating a, a very anti-structural and liminal enfolded uh, phenomena. Um, there's little way to do that unless you are liminal and anti-structural yourself, <laughs> or, um, or comfortable so, with surfing it, I guess. Or, or yeah, or at least being in that place at a certain point or another. But most people don't recognize that that they're doing this. I mean, most people. I mean, um, you could say, well, all of that infighting and that 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 competition and and you know all of that. That's all. That's a that's psychological, and uh, and that's going on some assumption that you know. <laughs> That 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 you think these people are doing this consciously, and in, in in my experience of seeing it, they're not. 
Um, this is just something that happens. It's just the way it is. Um, and so, you know, every time I see somebody, uh, I mean, I follow a girl on Facebook. She seems like a very nice girl, but she's a, a ghost hunter. And I mean, every other day it's a post about, you know, how somebody's talking bad about her or I'm not going to fight anymore. Or I'm quitting or it's, it's just, it's rampant. She's a great example. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, you see this all the time. I've seen it for decades now. It's like, you can't keep these groups together. Um, and, and MUFON being one that, that, uh, you know, it says things like, uh, that it scientifically investigates UFOs. It wants to promote science into this field. And yet, you know, um, all, all one need do is go to the 2017 symposium, uh, speaker list and, <laughs> you know, Andrew yeah, Bisaggio. I was going to say something about that. I mean, come on, it's, it's, Andrew Bassaggio, you know, the, you know, our time travel pioneer in he's Mars pioneer at the MUFON conference. He is, yes. Oh yeah. my and god, I, yeah, I know. And, and um, um, Sala, oh. and, and yeah, and again, you know, so this is, I mean, this is what I'm saying is like you say to yourself, well, why in the world? Well, why in the world, indeed? But my why in the world is because this is. This is part of how it works. It's across <laughs> the board this way. Yeah, this is yeah. just what happens. And, um, uh, and, 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 you know, I guess the most popular question is the question that I ask too, which is well, why? And you <laughs> soon realize that's just a nonproductive question to even ask. Um, you know, uh, the why is whatever harebrained thing you want to think of. But at the end the result is we don't know why right now. And, um, despite that we're over a hundred years into the study of paranormal stuff, it's, you know, we're in it's, it's still in its infancy. It's yeah. Well, at ridiculous. least the modern, the modern, uh, incarnation of studying it. Right. Right. So, um, but you look at, you look at marginal things, you'll see it all over the place. Mm. I mean, it, it's just that I really want investigators out there to start asking these questions, um, and start approaching this just to look as a sidebar at this a little bit, uh, because I think this will greatly aid in trying to understand um, not only why the witness or not the why, but the that the witness was engaged in a consistent form of behavior before or life situation or place. Um, and then, you know, moving forward out of that, what is their what has it done to them? In other words, where do they go from the experience? That's an important thing that. I mean, you collect the report and you leave them alone, and that's, you know, that's right, such a yeah. lost data, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, so, that, what happened to them yeah. afterwards? I've been whining about that for a while too. What happened before? Yeah. What happened right before? What happened right. way before? What happened right after? What happened the week right. after? What happened a year, five years, ten years after? That's a tough one to do, but those are very interesting questions. And and you'll get some very interesting answers if, you know, if if you come across them and you yeah. and you ask those questions. I mean, and I've called up people like not long after George's epiphany for me, I started calling up people I hadn't talked to in like 10, 12 years and saying, "So what's what's going on with you? You know, what uh what happened? Like where did it go for you?" And um you seldom find people who say, yeah, nothing. I just kind of moved on, kind of haven't thought about it in a while. No, you get the exact opposite. <laughs> you know, it, it either changed my life. I mean, I, I had a preacher who, you know, had a really significant close sighting uh, in, in northern Baltimore. And, uh, and uh, you know, he quit 
being a preacher. He uh, started working at Starbucks, and you know, I mean, it's like you know, and and it was because of his of his uh, event that he just found that he had no taste for religion anymore. Um, oh yeah, it, and, it really yeah. changes people's lives. You know, I mean, it's, it's the police stagnated. officer thing is 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 just staggering. How many of them just suddenly decide to you know they go crazy or they change or they get divorced? Um, yeah, there there was a story about the oh who was it. Officer Spro, um, Spro, what was his name? I can't remember his name. SPR something, not Sprague, because that's Ryan. Um, hmm. um, yeah, you know Robert Robert Brandstetter would probably tell me that one. But it's he he saw a UFO. Um, I guess he chased it, and then he he left his wife. He started living in a in an apartment by himself, and he gave the UFO a name. He called it Floyd. Mm-hmm. And then he saw it again. That's another thing. It's a repeater thing. There's, oh, yeah. A lot of people don't know that people like uh, um, Charles Hickson was a repeater two more times after the original uh, Pascagoula uh, mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, what, what's going on there? What do you think with, with repeaters? Is it just because they're self-selected by the way their lives are to do that? Or maybe the, the experience switches them over into that, the original experience? Well, I am a repeater, so yeah, I can only speak from my my point yes, of view. Yes, please and my, do. And my point of view from that is that, um, um, and this is a, a great one to hand skeptics, but it, it is what it is. Um, I've often said, the more you give, the more you get. So huh. the more um, you know, the more obsessive that you become with the topic, the more that you delve into it, the more that you read about it, watch about it, talk about it. Um, especially when you get into really deep um, discussions. I mean, Jeremy and I had one with uh, Colin Andrews uh, years ago that went incredibly abstract and sideways, and we were really into this discussion. And you could literally feel the ear, the air change in the room. I mean, it was almost instantaneous. Everything went to sort of a buzzing effect. And, and I stopped the interview, and I said, are we all going to sit here like we don't feel that? And, and Colin goes, I was wondering when someone was going to say something, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, it was like something was going to burst any moment. And, um, uh, and there was numerous odd things after that interview. Um, and so, you know, I, I've said for years, you know, that, um, uh, I'm, I mean, you talk about somebody like Whitley Strieber. I asked him, uh, do you, do you see anything to this notion of the more you put in, the more you get? And he said, well, I think that's why my events happened. Um, uh, and and it, you you see this across the board that the people who um, I mean the weird part is Greg like I don't know how many years it's been now but apparently my name was in a book to call for experiencers to talk to <laughs> I, don't, I don't know I mean I would get calls like three o'clock in the morning and people wanting to talk and I'd talk you know and you know they would say. I had this experience. I don't know what to make of it. I'm not getting hypnotized. I said, well, that's a good move not to do that. Right. Um, and uh, they would say, I, I just – I can't get out. I can't stop thinking about it. This is, this is turned my world upside down. And now I keep getting more and more and more. And I said, well, I can tell you that in my experience at least, um, when you do that, you fall into anti-structural behavior you fall into the liminal state of being between real life and 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 something else, you know, a, a stable life and something else. Yeah. Um, things start to fall apart. Um, this is just a product of being in that place with this thing, and you know, the ritual. I guess the quote unquote ritual to make that stop 
um, is to become interested in something else, uh, to ignore it, to even deny it, uh, and establish some kind of routine in life. Establish a routine. I get up, I brush my teeth, I go to work, I come home, I watch TV for an hour, and I work on model airplanes the rest of the night. I mean, I don't care what it is. If you start becoming, as, as a lot of these people were who called me, they were distressed, they were debilitated. I mean, I was debilitated. I wouldn't, I would refuse to take the garbage out at night for Christ's sake. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And the minute that I tried to establish some kind of normal life and establish myself into a, some kind of routine, amazingly, it all just kind of like, I mean, it didn't switch off completely, but it greatly diminished the returns that you would get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of what I used to tell people. Like, if you wanted your normal life back, then go back to normal life. Like, yeah, stop start, reading about this. Yeah, start start uh, making a normal life. I had a period where I was desperately paranoid for years. Well, well, about mm-hmm. two years. And mm-hmm. the only the and the, maybe this is a different method, or it's kind of the same method. I saw finally. I was so sick of being scared and paranoid. I made a decision to stop it. Yeah, and all the weird stuff that was happening around me, which you could see, was happening. It wasn't just me. It stopped. Right, right. The weird phone calls stopped. The opening of the mail stopped. Right. When I stopped being scared of it. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and and that's the thing is is that and that's the part that the skeptics love is that well of course you saw some terrible thing in your room because of course you're primed to see it because this is all you're thinking about. And you know what people don't get about that statement is that it's not something that other people can't see or experience like you will. I mean, my wife and I, I mean, we lost friends over this like I don't know 12 15 years ago now. Um because there was weird stuff going on in the house. I mean, you go out to dinner and, you know, uh, come back to the house for drinks and, you know, you'd get that immense flash of light outside the door. And the couple would say, what is that? And my wife and I would just look at each other like, whoops. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then the, bat- the worst part was is that you get in the house and it would do it in the house. You know, yeah. and then a ball of light would shoot down the hallway, or a fuzzy black box would drift down the hallway, and they go, "That's it, we're out of here." You know, um, <laughs> this doesn't and fit, I, and I don't want yeah. it to fit. So, right. uh, bye. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was kind of it, you know. Or they'd say, "Well, we got to get going," and then you'd never hear from them again. Um, huh. And it's not that I blame them at all. I mean, right, uh, right. But um, but at that moment, you know, we were. Li- I I'm anti-structural by nature. Um, and so I think that is why I'm a repeater. Um, but I think I also uh, – I think I've also poked it and not known it. Yeah. Uh, now I'm poking it and I know it. So at least I have that ability to go, I'm not going to poke anymore. <laughs> um, Stop you know, it's scratching a that thing. thing. It will never heal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one of those things though, Greg, where, you know, when this first started happening to me, I'm like, why me? Why do I have to have this? And what, you know, what, what is this for? And what am I getting out of this? And, um, and you feel like a victim. That's what most people feel like is they feel victimized. And, you know, I think people need to realize you have a lot more control, um, over what you experience in these things than you would think. And, uh, and that was a real, eye-opener for me as far as, you know, uh, 
trying to take the accepted norm explanation of, you know, extraterrestrials or or the spirits of the dead or any of those kind of explanations. Those surface level explanations just don't work when you figure out, well, you know, um, I have a lot of control over this. I have a lot of um, I, I have a lot of say over what happens and how it happens. Um, I just never realized it, and so yeah, until you, when you realize that it, it's, a, it's 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 exactly, and but you don't realize that routine is what you're lacking because you're so out of it that you don't know. Um, and so you know, I came out of it on my own, luckily, um, uh, and and life was pretty routine for a number of years, and then I got back in, and uh, and now I I play with a little bit more. Um, no less fear. I'm no less afraid of it. I'll put it to you that way. I mean, I'm still utterly horrified at most of what I see. Um, but it's been quiet lately, and I'm, I'm kind of grateful for that. Yeah. Um, you know, because then you can write about it. Then you can write and you can try to make sense of things, and and um, and you get to ponder, which is good. So you know, um, I think that. Uh, I think that's where I come from with this stuff anymore is like, uh, um, yes, there is some effect that we have on it. Yes, there is some effect of how we perceive it. Um, but a lot of it is uh, surrounded by some very strange things that I don't quite understand, but I know that are um, some kind of odd consistency or, or consistent of, of being that surrounds these things. So um, right. to me, that's interesting. You know. Yeah, at the end of um – I, I I will stop talking about this, but the end at the end of my little presentation I gave this a couple of weeks ago, I said, if any of this stuff starts happening to me, I am sort of hoping that all what I just said to you just now about you know how much it comes from us and all that and how real is real, is that going to all go out the window as soon as I if some this suddenly drops on my head, is my belief <laughs> system going to complete? Am I, will I have a belief system, or at least will I have a recognizable belief system that I can't get out of and not be aware of if this suddenly gets you know shown to me in an unequivocal way? I don't yeah. know. I hope not. I mean, I hope that I can just keep my distance and say, okay, that was interesting. Let's not attach any emotion to this. And then, meanwhile, you know, my reptile brain's going, ah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's so hard, right? I mean, it's so hard not to, not to try and ponder it, not and try to figure it out, because um, you, you're just so sure there's, there's an answer here for something, and uh, um, you know, and, and and it's like I was talking to a, a guy on another show uh, last weekend or weekend before, uh, who who remembers a certain event uh, that he had at night in bed, and um, he he's very clear he doesn't believe that he left his bed. Um, and so he's like, you know, I remember a certain bit of this experience, but then I don't remember anything. And it seems odd that I would just remember this. And I said, well, um, the, you know, I would not go looking for that by way of hypnosis. Of course, that goes without saying in my in my head. But, you know, I also wouldn't necessarily feel inclined to ponder that to try to remember something. Uh, the fact of the matter is there may be nothing more to remember. <laughs> it could have been a display for your benefit and that and that alone. And then, you know, it's kind of like I've often said that the paranormal trolls for people, <laughs> um, you know, and I think that's possible still. You know, I do. I think that, you know, I think that that um, and I still think this despite the marginal and the anti-structural, all of that is a given to me. But I also think that there is. Um, 
this notion that whatever it is, if it's an it at all, um, it knows what it takes to get here. And what it takes to get here is us in a thinking manner letting it come here. If that makes sense, I don't know. That makes total sense, Um, especially if you have any background in um, uh, Western occultism. Uh, yeah, and and uh, you know, I, I I don't even think it has to be anything. <laughs> and psychology. In, uh, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, but uh, you know, in Project Core, one of the big things that came up was that a high percentage of people who reported paranormal instances were creative people, musicians, artists, writers, etc. And um, and I think that's a lot of what's going on with at least the manifestation part of it is that. Um, uh, there it may be communication, but I don't know. But if it is like some kind of attempt to say something, then the artist, the musician, the writer, they're going to be the people who are most receptive to that message and be able to to to, to handle that to everybody else. Um, and so, is in that some the reason? Way, yeah, I don't you, know. You, maybe. You, yeah, you can't communicate you know? it in in science. You can communicate it in art. Right. Right. Right, and it and it, it's it's just one of those things where that's the person most accepting of whatever is going to be shown too, to them yeah. too. Yeah, you know, they're, they're perception perceptive people, you know, like yeah. um, their and radio is going to be tuned to it. Exactly, and so you know that's a big thing. So, but uh, you know, I'm I'm just one of those people. I think that there is, um, I don't know, some kind of odd. Uh, there's some kind of like there's a lot of symbology in 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 the manifestation in the experience. There's a there's symbolic and there's um, uh, metaphor is heavy in these things too. If you look at them in different ways, you find all of these really interesting consistencies of like this could be interpreted this way or this way. <laughs> you know, this could be this or this. Um, and often, you know the the metaphor may apply to that person's life and what they do, where they're at in life, what's going on. I mean, again, this is stuff that I don't think people are really looking at. And, and frankly, I don't think a lot of people care <laughs> and that's okay. No, well, uh, they, they don't. Yeah. And that, that's fine. We're, we're, we're yeah. the, the, the big mistake a lot of people make that are into this is that it's trying to get other people to care. Yeah. Or trying yeah. to get the, mean, the greater population or the popular, you know, or, 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 or academia or whatever to care. It's, the, it's completely lost on them that they don't care and they're not going to care. And they're going to be actually actively aggressive about not caring a, a, at a certain point. Right. And maybe if you go off into the corner and do your research the way you want to do it with like-minded people who are reasonably intelligent – Maybe you'll get somewhere instead of trying and, to convince somebody that's never going to be convinced that that you're important or whatever you're saying is important. Yeah, I mean that's exactly it, and and you'll be a, a ten times happier person too. Yes, that too. You, you actually feel like you're getting something done. Yeah, which is far more um, important. And it, and it doesn't really matter, you know, if you share it out. That's always important, I think, to share things. But yeah. um, but not I used not to be for, real, uh, I, you know, like, approval. You know, yeah, I mean, like I I you know Project Core. I mean. Um, you are literally the only podcast aside from Tim Banal uh, that had us on about it. And it was you and Tim Banal. <laughs> I did <laughs> not it. realize that. That was it. No wonder Tyler and, wrote to me a few times, and I, I, I should start cu- talking to him again. He's a, he's a great guy, and a really, oh yeah, he's great. You know, ridiculously great. smart guy. I can't believe you got oh, him yeah. to go along with you on the doing <laughs> yeah. the, doing the project. And, 
and two others. You know, that's yeah, exactly. Too. Yeah. I mean, so it's like, you know, um, and, and that's the thing that that uh, that I think I get the most is, well, and my, my boss even said this to me uh, some time ago. He's like, well, if there was anything to this, don't you think science would be involved in it by now? <laughs> and I'm like, mm, no. Uh, and he's like, why? And I said, well, again, do you want to sit down and have a beer after work tonight? Because that's how long it's going to take to explain to you. Why, you don't want to know. I'm not going to change your mind and you're not interested. I, no, I, and that's it. I already know it. that and that's fine. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's a lot easier to understand this when you understand what liminality is and what anti-structure is and especially what marginality is. Uh, and when you understand that the paranormal has forever been considered a marginal field, mm-hmm. um, and that's why people, you know, I mean, I, I, I was talking about MUFON earlier. I mean, how many movies? I mean, look at the Arrival that that just aired. It came out. I just saw it myself like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what do you think that made at the box office? Millions of dollars, right? I mean, it's a it's a heralded film. I can't uh, believe it did that well. Know? I can't either, but because I loved it, it. I did too. Um, uh, Only because it wasn't the obvious thing, you know. But look at all the money that Hollywood puts into uh, paranormal-themed movies: Ouija, The Close Encounters, Ghostbusters, Arrival. I mean, it's it's endless, and these movies make millions upon millions of dollars. Right. And yet, when you talk about Mufon, Mufon has like an, an annual expenditure of like your local church. And this is the International Association, you know. I mean, they got three thousand journal subscribers. You yeah. know how many? You know how many subscribers? Uh, you know, like uh, the Skeptical Inquirer has thirty-five thousand subscribers. Huh. Yeah. So I mean, it's considered marginal topics, and this is why it can't get funding. It's very difficult to get anything done. Nobody takes it seriously. They're interested in. Obviously, the public interest is there. But when it comes to actually doing the work to study it, they're not interested. It's marginal. Yeah. It's you know. I would argue that that's a good thing. Uh, except for the not having enough money to do some of this work part, that sucks. It does suck. If it became uh, <laughs> yeah, if it be, and we'll talk about that in a second in, in relation to what you're doing now. But it would if. If the paranormal was mainstreamed, it would not be what the paranormal is. It would change into the paranormal would become it would slip into doing something else. I'm almost certain of that. Well, I think it would slip into complete madness if you don't think it's already madness. <laughs> I, mean, I, I do. I think it would slip into complete madness, um, and that and for that only reason that that uh, you know is another is another interesting thing that you might be able to pick up. If you read the blog and and we get into it down the road, which is um, the notion of people losing their marbles uh, in in ufology, and I mean smart people losing all matter of critical thought yes. uh, uh, to that, and and that um, I talked to George about on Friday, and and uh, I had written about it, and I was surprised I actually got it right um, <laughs> when I talked to George and asked him, "Am I right here?" And he's like, "Yeah, you're absolutely right." Uh, so I'm getting it. I'm learning more and more as I go along on my own. And and um, and, and that thing is is like the more um, the more educated, the more accomplished, the more recognized the professional is, whether it be in the medical field or the sciences or whatever, the more likely they are 
to lose their critical faculties in the paranormal. Um, and so I and I can give, think of multiple examples. Yeah, give, of give that, me a couple I, of examples. I think I can um, think of some. But. I mean, a good example is to me is one that I encountered, and uh, that was uh, Dr. James Deerdorf, who was mm-hmm. uh, a brilliant meteorology uh, professor. Um, you know, sat on several. Um, I mean, he was a, a senior scientist at, at you know the weather labs and stuff like that. A really accomplished good man and a very smart man. Um, but a man who subscribed in totality to the Meyer case and the Talumud, Talumud of Manuel and all of these things that Meyer has concocted over the years. I mean, he was a hardcore believer in all that. And, um, and that just seems to me like a complete lack of, of critical thought when it comes to that. And there were other things that he and I would talk about online that were, you know, he had this notion of plausible deniability. And I, kind of pressed like what do you mean when you say that and he said well as it applies to the meyer case you know it only looks like a model on the string because the aliens want it to look like a model on the string to give people who don't want to believe it a way out so by that logic every model on a string could potentially be an alien craft yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like no yeah. i'm sorry that doesn't jive so i, I think i, I uh, can't take that know, one sorry I, th- I think that that's uh i think he's a good example of that but but there are others that are are just as good, um, you know, across the across the board, really. Um, you know, and and there's you'll find a lot of doctors in this that believe some very strange things. I and, uh, recently had an uh, an exchange with somebody, and uh, and I was made to realize that, and this might even hook into the Tom DeLonge stuff. There's mm. a lot of people with degrees working in very important positions that have extremely strange viewpoints on things. And some of them talk about them. And just like you have said, some of them do not talk about them very much, right? But they use it, whether they believe the craziness or not, they use it as a metaphor to help them with their work. Like for example, somebody would say, Oh, I just came up with this great idea of how to, uh, uh, make metals more, what more invisible to radar. Mm -hmm. And they don't say, well, I came up with it by doing this and this and this and this. They said the original inspiration came from an alien civilization that told me how to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell the other scientists and the public at large that that's what happened. But that's right. what happened. And yeah. I'm going to keep it in this little box where I just use it as a metaphor, but I really do think that's what happened to me. That is very interesting to me and oh, in yeah. light of what you just said. Because, you know, ha- you know ha- half the time or part of the time they're going to go, this, I totally believe this. And, you know, and everybody goes, oh, they've gone nuts. If they keep their mouths <laughs> shut, they can, keep their, you know, they, they can keep their careers going a little bit longer with these strange belief systems. Right. Um, and it, it, it's it's not a new idea. I mean, I think Tesla sort of said the same thing. Um, George Ellery Hale, the the guy that uh, built the 200 inch telescope at, on Palomar, he said mm-hmm. that when he was trying to figure out how to make that giant mirror, fairies, elves, and brownies came in at night and helped him with his designs. Right. Mm-hmm. You can read and this I- in astronomy. Um, blogs and stuff it's like oh he went a little crazy that's just some silly thing no he seriously yeah. thought this yeah and probably because he that is what he experienced because probably in and again this goes back to that um Liminal. you know i mean don't ever believe for a second that science is not in some ways a very creative endeavor and that these people do 
um, surrender life and limb to science. In in other words, they don't sleep normal hours. They are constantly fixated on their goal. Right, right. Um, you know, they are driven people. They were obsessed people. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Guess what? When you live that kind of life that is completely off the skids uh, in pursuit of a scientific endeavor, guess what? That can happen. Um, I, I and I wish I could remember who it was, but I heard tell of you know somebody who developed a, a, an important vaccine was given this vaccine idea by uh, a gnome that came to his window one night. I mean, this stuff is not relegated to the trailer park, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but at, but at the same time, it's it's uh, you know you, you hear about these doctors like we interviewed a guy uh, who was working on the solar sail and. Uh, and he was inspired to be a scientist by a paranormal event in his childhood, which escapes me at the moment. But it wasn't like a major, mind-blowing paranormal event. It was a really subtle, interesting thing um, that wasn't horrifying or scary. It was just like it set him on a on a uh, uh, a trajectory of questioning and thought and uh, inquisitiveness. That that that's where that that's where that spark came from for him. Um, and you'll find that a lot. I mean, again, it's um, it's interesting to me, though, that when these people enter into the paranormal, when they enter this field, I mean, they think of all matter of strange stuff, and they actually. And the interesting part about all that, you know, them going off the skids first, <laughs> is that were they to, like I mentioned uh, at one point in a, a piece I'm writing now that. If James Deardorff had gone to his weather associates and other consummate professionals in his field and and kind of put forth an idea about the weather that was like the plausible deniability thing, these people would have recoiled in horror yeah. at that notion. I mean science – they put forth – if they were to put forth things like they put forth in ufology or ghost or the paranormal in science, they'd be laughed out of the field. But it happens. And, it happens and, and as long again, as they shut I, up about it. They they achieve renown rather than ridicule. They and they, they indeed yes. I mean that's the thing. Um, but it's uh, you know it they subscribe to all matter of weird stuff and 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 I've got to the point now where um, I'm pretty sure that based on that and some other factors, you can kind of tell these people when they come into the field. You can see it when it's coming, and. Um, hmm. And that's why, you know, like Tyler Coke John and and other people call me the Nostradamus of ufology. <laughs> because I, I just I say, well, this is what's gonna happen, bip, 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 and it happens, you know, and it's it, but it's not hard to see it coming. Um, when you know these things. It, I'll tell you what, I mean, all this stuff that that you learn about these surrounding things, it gives you infinitely more fun uh to watch ufology and to watch the ghost hunting community and you know, the, even the parapsychologists, for that matter, it makes it infinitely more fun to spectate and go, watch this, watch what's going to happen now. There it is. You know, um, that's just amazing to me that you can be so predictive about it, and it's actually happening. Um, it, it's amazing. And then other things you'll see, and you'll go, man, why do you have to go and say that? You know, um, it's just it does make it really interesting. It, it's it's opened up a whole new. Um, not only a whole new way of seeing my own life and my own experiences with this stuff in new ways, um, but it's given me a lot more to um, 
approach things like anthropology with, you know, like the notion of ritual in our society and why is there this thing? Um, why are these things? Because these are things like that you don't even think about that you still do. You know, you knock on a door, you, uh, you know, you have a birthday party, you have a wake dinner, you, you know, so on and so forth. It's these things are quite possibly, I, I mean, I don't see any other reason for them not to be than to be responses to this. So, you know, I, I think I once heard Whitley Strieber say that the phenomena has more influence over our lives than we think. And I kind of went, what does that mean? I don't buy that. I'm starting to buy that. <laughs> I really am. I'm starting to think that there are responses in place and historical responses in place that are in response to phenomena happening. And these become tradition or the thing you do. Um, well, give, give, it, give an example then. I think I know what you're talking about, but how about an example of that, that, I mean, that I, in action? I mean, I go right to like you know the wake dinner uh, is is a is a really good spot because I mean uh, you know well I mean even look look at uh, uh, look at like indigenous cultures say in South America there are places in South America where South American indigenous tribes will not go there are yeah. land that they will not venture into and every once in a while someone will venture into the forbidden zone. And we'll come back to the tribe and say, I was in the forbidden zone and blah, 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 and nothing happened to me. I'm okay. These people will be ritualistically cleansed uh, because these people know that when they venture into a certain spot that you are uh, told for generations don't go there, uh, you have enacted in a taboo. And taboo also figures into um, – this kind of uh, of weird occurrence in surrounding uh, the taboo is also a big thing that kind of goes with marginality a little bit. But um, you know the things you don't do and do will result in you having to be cleansed. You know we we uh, George mentioned a brilliant one to me: the house blessing. You buy a new home. You know, you get the house blessed. It's a ritual that signifies nothing from here forward is not about us. It is the past is the past. This house is clean, as they say. Um, you know, all of these things are uh, things clean, that you clean do. Clean the slate. It's things that you do that kind of lay – I laid it out to my wife this morning. I said it's like drawing a line in the sand. You know, this is what was. This is what is now. Here's the line. You don't get to come past here. You shall not pass. In other words, you know, um, and and that's really you find this in cultures across the board for thousands of years. Um, well, can you do that? Yeah, can you do it? So, well, getting get, sort of getting back to the person that you know enters the field and goes a little bit crazy. What is the line in the sand they draw so the craziness doesn't come to them? Uh, can I think, you do that? Well, I hope that I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is you know, the banishing I, ritual for a ufologist so they don't turn into a, a, right. you know, a raving wacko? Right. Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, I, I think your buddy Nick Redfern said it best, you know, uh, get involved in something else once in a while, for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's not your life. You know, yeah, yeah. you can't make it your life. You know, when you make it your life, it will be your life. Right. Um, and, uh, and I think that, that you and I both have known – uh, good men in this field 
who devoted most of their lives to this and came out on the short end in the end. Um, and, and it's not fair, um, but it is what it is and it is what it will do. Um, and so, you know, when it comes right down to it, like, don't make it your life, like have other interests, stop ignoring your family for God's sake, yeah. go take a drive, you know, go fish or something, you know, without looking up, you know, like <laughs> stop, looking up. you know, I mean, they love that. Right. I mean, so, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's all about, uh, balance and, right, and right, you right. can lose your, you can lose your balance really easy. Yeah. When something shows you a shiny object and you go, ooh, look at that, yeah. and you want to see it more, you know, you're going down the primrose path to yeah. some highly weird stuff. Yeah. The, the, um, the, the middle way is not just a silly thing that people say when they're trying to be Buddhists. So. Yeah, and I, I'll tell you, I found that – excuse me – that also in the notion of studying a case or, or getting involved in a case um, <laughs> yeah. is – is is hinky because um, you become so tied up into it that uh, it starts to affect you. In other words, you start to have weird stuff by proxy of this. And so, yeah. again, the notion of ufology is, well, you've got the alien's attention because you're talking to Bob, and Bob is knee-deep in this, and they're dealing with him. Now they want to know what you're doing there. So they're coming – no, 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 no. Oh, it's uh, catching. The paranormal is yeah. catching. I've heard that from many people. It absolutely is. And and so – and it's by virtue of that hook. Remember that trolling hook I was talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you show somebody a mystery, and they want to unfold that envelope as far as they can, and they don't realize it's like an onion skin. Um you know, and as McKenna said, it's just a UFO that brings a tear to your eye. It's you know, there's nothing there at all at the end when you get done. Uh, yeah. And and you know, people have a hard time with that. So, you know, um, I, I think the first step to being successful in in uh, in investigative capacity um, is to come home and eat with your family and not talk about it. Um, go to bed that night and don't go pondering it for hours on end because it's just another thing that's going to drive you batty. Um, but give it your fair, give it a fair amount of attention. Try to do due diligence in checking it out and, uh, and file it away and, and, uh, and, and try and share it with people. But past that, I mean, you know, um, too many investigators want to be friends with their subject of investigations, you know, and, um, you know, and, and we've all seen that too. And that just is, uh, and that, yeah, that, that is, that, that is a, yeah comes up a lot before we're running out of time here there was a question about uh um basically about oculus oh, yeah. and what that is why you're doing it um what has happened and what do you hope to accomplish uh, maybe you can describe to people what this project is because it uh it sounds like you're doing something in a i hate to say the word but in a investigative scientific way well, thanks for scientific-ish. that. Scientific-ish. <laughs> Ish, yes. Yeah. It can't be scientific uh, because of what yeah. we've been talking about for the last two hours. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I mean, Project Oculus came about by um, – over, over the course, I'd say, about eight or nine months where uh, I tried to be purposefully anti-structural. I tried to be purposefully um, in a liminal state of one kind or another. Um, in other words, putting myself out there for this kind of thing and also becoming completely engrossed again in, in, uh, 
watching the TV shows, which is really hard to do when you know they're all nonsense. It's hard to become involved in them again. But um, uh, and noticing that the phenomena at least seem to respond to that. Um, And uh, in one night in particular that kind of sealed the deal for me uh, was a night that I was up way past three o'clock in the morning um, on a work night and, um, and was on the phone with someone talking at length about some very weird stuff. Uh, began to see some flashes down a hallway in my home and um, I could see them great peripherally. Um, but as far as looking down the hall straight on, I didn't see anything. And <laughs> so uh, I went around the corner into the dining room oh, and took goodness. my cell phone and um, I just began – I just began by putting my cell phone around the corner of the wall so I wasn't looking and hitting the shutter button over and over and over. And, um, and at one point after about, you know, uh, I don't know how many thumb presses, um, I got two lights in the hallway. One is a purple color and, and kind of squiggly. And the other one is a, a very bright green smear up near the ceiling. Um, of some kind of free floating light. Um, I have no idea what it is or what it could be, but that kind of said to me, okay, maybe I can put cameras in the house and leave them run after hours all night long into the morning, turn them off when I get up. Uh, and can I record with that? And can I review those? Um, and can I even maybe get something that will alert me if it sees something? Um, and we've seen and heard other weird things in the house as well. So this is not like it's it's crazy good uh, uh, or crazy weird stuff that you know you can't see looking straight on. But if you something as dumb as sticking your hand around a corner with a cell phone gets it, okay, um, <laughs> you know, like that's dumb. But uh, you know, so I, I basically I I investigated and looked into drop cams, which are USB-based cameras that you plug into the wall. Um, You can plug them into your computer. Um, They record to a cloud. You pay a a monitoring fee every month to have them record. I have, uh, what, one, two, three, four, four or five of them now um, that run anywhere between 2 and 3 a.m. to about 7 in the morning. Um, And they cover pretty much... Most rooms in the house, aside from our bedroom and the kitchen, um, but you know, I, I said to uh, somebody recently, if you have paranormal evidence in your house going on and weird, all matter of weirdness, if you want it to stop, put up cameras. Yeah, because um, there's been not a lot. I will say this: there hasn't been a lot, um, but what we have gotten has been um, has been to me fantastic. Um, because for years on end now, we've lived here nine years this year. Um, and pretty much since about our first year in, uh, Lisa and I have seen a small white light, uh, towards the entrance of into the dining room from the living room, uh, about six inches down from the ceiling. And, uh, it will flash. Uh, sometimes it will blink in and blink out really fast, but we all seen it. Uh, guests to the house have seen it. My parents have seen it. Jeremy has seen it. Uh, everybody who's been here any length of time has seen it. 
and and we got it on video, which was great. Um, so we did get that. Um, again, it's to anybody looking at it, it's not like, oh my god, that's so amazing. It's like, yeah, there's a flash of light. <laughs> I mean, you know, to everybody else, it's incidental. To us who've seen it, it's great. Uh, it's in the exact same spot every time, and it's in the exact same spot on the camera. Um, we got uh, some lights turning on and off on their own, a la the switches flipping, because you can hear the, the switches actually flipping. Yeah. Um, so we've gotten that a couple of times, and we've gotten some very high um, natural EMF readings that were not related to thunderstorms or any kind of thing like that. The EMF detector that I have um, runs in the hallway camera, which is where we recorded the lights and where the little light shows up on the ceiling. It's right below that. And um, uh, and oddly, uh, when we saw the light on the ceiling and got that, that meter was not – I didn't have it then. We bought that later on. Um, but that's it's, – it's, it's, it's shown some interesting returns, but it's only gone off that one time. And, uh, and at the end of its going up and down and making a loud buzz noise and going back down, uh, our back floodlights – turned off and you can hear the switch go click off um so what is that i don't know what that is um but uh it's hard to have a project like this that demands on being willy-nilly as to say out of routine and Hmm. still routinely turn the cameras on every night (laughs) so we've taken to putting them on a schedule um and forgetting about it yeah, that's what was, yeah. the first thing was the thing. It's like, how do you get yourself out of that, yeah, uh, uh, that loop? And maybe there's a way to have them. You know, you never find this, I guess, in the software that, that you have with it. But to turn them on absolutely randomly. Yeah, the random part I think is going to be the tough part. I've written Nest about that. They're the parent company who kind of monitors the cameras and all of that. Uh, it's great because if they see something, they tell you. If uh, they record something, you can save it as a clip. Um, it, it's they're great little cameras, and they're really good resolution. They have excellent night vision. It's automatic. Yeah, that comes on. I can't rave enough about them. They're wonderful. Uh, they have zoom capability too, which is great. Um, but uh, the random part is tough. I mean, we can set them for two thirty a.m. to seven a.m. and forget about it. Um, but what's interesting about this project is for a period of about a week, I really honestly just forgot to turn them on. And on the one night I was, I woke up at four fifty AM and heard somebody going down the steps and it, there was nobody there. Um, and heard whispering in the downstairs and we were all upstairs. Um, the next day, literally the next day, I'd forgot to turn them on again. I awoke at exactly, again, 4.50 a.m., and there was light streaming in from outside the bedroom window. Uh, and as I woke up and I saw it, because it woke me up, um, it slowly faded out and everything went back to darkness again. Both nights were nights that I did not run the camera. So <laughs> it's one of those things where I go, this, of, this course is normal. It, yeah. of course it's going to happen when the cameras aren't on. Um, and so, you know, I think the best course action is to remove myself from the routine of turning them on and to not even think about it. Right. Uh, again, going back to your idea, how much of it is dependent on us to, to do something 
you know, this should remove that from the equation. The randomness, I'm talking to Nest about maybe trying to help me with that. But um, yeah, that's a uh, that's the project, and uh, and people can read about that um, on. Uh, let me see, I have that up here. Uh, that is at GoFundMe.com slash Project Oculus. O C U L U S Project Oculus. Um, and for twenty bucks, uh, I can put you in the feed to watch them live. That's just how we're funding this because I pay about uh, <laughs> I pay almost seventy bucks a month to have them monitored and and recorded. Right. Um, per the premium package of being able to do that. So um, we're always looking for funding to keep them on and keep them running. I think you should. Uh, do, have you told Nest what you were doing? They might be interested in like just letting you use the things as publicity. Uh, <laughs> I have not told them. Actually, you know uh, what? That might be a bad idea. <laughs> it could be a really bad idea. Well, see, this uh, is putting money know. and possibly ego into it, which I think screws up lots of things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I, I thought a long time before I even thought about, like, do I really want to to do this, number one, because it means going into that life again. Um, but also, you know, do I want to suffer the wrath of people who would donate money and not see anything? Uh, and so I made it really clear from the get-go that, uh, hey, guess what? We may get absolutely nothing. It's a, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> But um, this whole this whole idea of mine was to to see if you can make the phenomena respond to your action. In other words, is there a reaction to your action? Yes, uh, I, this is something and, I've been wondering about for a while. How can you get the weird things to happen? Um, yeah, and, and that's if not on 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 uh, demand, but at least on in a field of possibility that you have controlled to the point where you can make, you know, like planting a garden, you know? Yeah. I mean, and ultimately this is why the paranormal and science don't work is because you're talking about something that is anti-structural and yeah. science is dependent on structure and repeatability. Yes. I mean, that's the short answer for my boss about why in science available for this. It's that's why. Yeah. Well, his answer uh, is probably if it's not repeatable, then it doesn't exist. Right. Well, that's certainly scientists' uh, outlook on a lot of this stuff. Well, a lot of them, but, yes, you know, not all of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, that was uh, – th- that's Project Oculus, and it's been running now for months on end. And we've gotten some modest results out of it, which is fine. Um, but being as I'm writing this blog and I'm focusing a lot on this stuff um, – I could see something, but I'm not going to predict it. You know, I mean, I just I let it go to the wind and see what happens. So, um, uh, but uh, crowdfunding, I think, is the great way to do research. I mean, it's you know, I was really happy that I had a lot of people who had enough faith in me that they kicked in some money to buy the cameras and help fund paying for them. So um, that was like I was extremely uh, uh, like humbled by that a lot. Uh, yeah. Because that's a that's a that's a I, and that's a heavy thing to have people give you like a thousand dollars to go buy equipment with to to maybe get nothing. Yeah, um, exactly. So I I thank them all beyond all measure for for that kind of faith, and uh, so I'm trying to do right by all of them by you know running them all the time and making sure if there's something happening we get it. So.
Um, past that, what do we do with something if we get it? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I know that, that was kind was of just, my next question. It's yeah. like, what the hell are you going to do with this? I well, think well, that the upshot is what patterns and what patterns of behavior emerge out of this. If you can keep some kind of diary about what's going on, unless that's going to ruin it too. Yeah, well, and that's that's kind of what we did for the the on start of this was. Um, I had a, a there's a link up on the paratopiaoculus.com that is Project Oculus Daily. And if you look at that, it's kind of where I wrote down in public in real time like every day what happened and what we did. And uh I I found that to be too routine. Um and so uh all I really do is at some point during the day uh I talk in a recorder and I say doing this today, doing that today, throw the quarter in my bag and forget about it. Um so it's hard not to be routine in the course of trying to be unroutine. It's it's it's, it's yeah. Well, it's, it's a it's a it's it seems uh, like an artistic endeavor. It's yeah. It's it's hard, um, but I think I think the great part about it is being able to schedule them, taking yourself out of the equation somewhat. And if something would happen, and I would be alerted to it, uh, I certainly have enough presence of mind to say, well, you know. Um, so-and-so passed away today or, well, you know, we weren't home because of X or we were renovating the living room or so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you certainly have the presence of mind of that. So the answer is on non-days where nothing happened, it's pretty much life as usual. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, when cameras don't go on, guess what? That's the break of routine. Guess what happens then? Yeah, stuff happens. You know, so that even, even the, the fact yeah, the that the negative up, result is makes, a, yeah. a Exactly. It, at least that tells me something. So, um, you know, it tells me you're being too routine. <laughs> Don't turn them on and I'll show up. Um, so remove that equation and uh, and see what happens. And we've just started doing that. So maybe that maybe that'll do something. Yeah, I don't know if anybody's ever tried that. There's two ideas I have when you tell me this, and we, we, we've got a couple of minutes, but we can, you know, I always go over it. It doesn't matter. The two ideas is, is, is one, um, what if you called it an art project? Uh. <laughs> How would that yeah. change it? I don't know. What um, if you didn't say, this is a scientific or an, you know, an attempt to see? What if you just say, Let's put all these, throw all these things together and see. What, it sounds like kind of that's what you're doing. Throw all this stuff together and see what happens. Yeah, that pretty With much no is. With no idea about what's going to happen, no goal, no nothing. Just kind of like. Yeah. But the thing is, the fact of getting the cameras and doing this, you have sort of a goal. Yeah. I mean, there is a target of some sort in here. The, the, I think the real, the real problem for me is, is, um, is, Having that – see, when I when I went through a, a really hardcore period of a lot of experiences, I mean life was practically a three-ring circus, it, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that was during a point where I owned my own business and I could set my own hours. I could do my own thing. If I didn't want to go to work one day, I didn't have to. Uh, so now I'm in a nine-to-fiver. Um, I'm doing the same kind of work. I've always been you know, either a creative director or art director or art business owner. Um, and so um, – you know, now I'm in this period of where I got to get up and I got to be to work by 11. I get off at seven. I come home. I eat, you know, the whole routine. Right. Uh, so it's harder to be out of routine. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference is um, 
I'm not a young man anymore. And uh, <laughs> I hate to say it that way, but it's true. Like I can't go till 4 a.m. like I used to and get up at 8. Um, uh, and that's – and I think that's – I mean I hate to say it, but that's kind of required is to just be um, as marginal as you could possibly be and still maintain a job. <laughs> You know, like yeah. that's what people don't realize about this is like to do this, you kind of got to take off of work and you kind of maybe have to live somewhere else. And, you know, like, I mean, when we interviewed Jacques Vallée back when his um, uh, Wonders in the Sky book came out, one of the questions we asked him was that we had heard that he tried to actually start a Skinwalker Ranch. And he said, it was, is that true? And he said, yeah, of sorts, Yes. Uh, and I, well, what kind of success? He said, we had some moderate success. Sound familiar? I mean, yeah. you know, and I bet you dollars to donuts what he did was to live completely anti-structural to maybe, uh, I don't know, to maybe even engage in a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, uh, like, as you said, some kind of a cult thing um, of whatever ilk that appealed to him, I guess. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know anything about what he did. I don't know either, but it, it's but it's uh, one could assume, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. It's uh, and I've thought to myself, you know, do uh, I mean I can't for the life of me I can't get the wife to do a Ouija board anymore. But you know, <laughs> I I've, I've sat and I've done EVPs in the living room while the cameras are going. Yeah, and uh, you know, and didn't get anything out of it. Um, but uh, you know, do I have to be more blatant to engage it? You know, do I literally have to say who's in my house and? go that route uh i don't know um there's all matter of things that you can do to try to enact something um and uh you know and right now for me it's um it's trying to be as absolutely off the charts non-routined as i can be and still pay my mortgage and have a job yeah so i I don't have a job anymore every single day for me is absolutely different and yeah, well, that's none of this stuff is happening to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, believe me, it's not. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. It's not, it's a, not a, a cure all. <laughs> it's not a recipe. No. Yeah, exactly. And and there different are other things, things work that, for different people. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's not to say that. Uh, uh, it's not to say that you won't have something uh, happen during this period where you're like this. Um, yeah, it's been this way for but, three years. <laughs> well, well, it's one of the, well, it's one of these things. Is is how out of how, how out of control are you? you oh, know? I'm not an I mean, out of control I, person at all, which is yeah, the, probably see, part of it. That's and that's kind of the thing. I mean, I don't think you'd be married if you were as out of control as I was, because I damn near wasn't for a while. You know, I mean, it's it gets that bad. Like yeah, yeah. this is not good for relationships. I mean, we've seen this over and over and over. You uh, no, Yeah, I always wish I was a little bit crazier because more I would learn more things. But I don't want the dis- destabilizing stuff going on. And that's what happens, you know. And that is a product of this stuff, and uh, and it's also an envelope for it. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's uh, it, it's hard to try and be that and still, you know, bring home the bacon and and feed your family. Yeah. It's hard to do. But I think that the modest returns that we've gotten and the negatives that I've had in relation to turning them on and off um, has said to me, yeah, there's something there, but you got to be a lot more out of it to get more to potentially record something. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, or is the very fact of a routine 
time of the cameras coming on and off ruining the boat i mean yeah, that probably is to some degree from what from what you're telling me tough thing to wrangle you know but i'm trying as best i can to yeah. to see something you um, know what a uh, long time ago in the 90s when i interviewed dean Raiden, he said you know what would be really interesting and it's unethical and we can't do it is to take a random number generator and put it in a psychiatric hospital um yeah <laughs> Yeah, I can see that. I mean, but the problem is, you'd have to tell people it was there, and it would freak them the, the, the hell out because it, you know it, 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 it will probably cause some effects just from that. But the fact of not telling them and putting it in there and see what happens—that random number generator—if it you know suddenly you know, it, it goes non-random when whatever's going on or when a certain person's there or whatever. Yeah, I mean there, that's something that I encourage like ghost hunters to to try is to take a random number generator with them and uh, and maybe get something set up in each room of the house or something that they can carry with them that logs, um, you know, that logs data points in there that says, you know, at this point in the time that you started this, which should be coincided to camera footage and whatever documentation you can right, get. Right, right. Um, you know, when we had the sound in the hallway, um, you know, that was a time when, the random number of generator showed, you know, very strange returns coming through, um, some strange consistencies or irregularities or whatever. That should be something that, um, you know, that that every paranormal group should be doing, just because it's not a Frank's box, uh, and it's really uninteresting to watch. <laughs> yeah, you know, they don't do it, and you know, and uh, and I think again, we're we're missing the boat when it comes to a lot of these. I mean, George has used those. Uh, and found very strange returns uh, in stairwells, yeah. uh, where paranormal because he doesn't. I, I believe he's very big on the notion of, uh, and so am I on, uh, you know, blind doing this blind. You know, yes, taking yes, most definitely, and not telling your team, hey, they see a Civil War soldier in the green room. Like, don't tell them that. Just let them go, and let one t- team go in and let them come back and write down their experiences or their observations in secret and put them on an envelope yeah. then let the next team go in yes. and do the same thing yes double do the blinds. same thing with psychics you know with psychics do the same thing blind yeah. right down the room that you had the most odd feeling in then talk to your owners say this is what we found right exactly Here's don't explain to me what's going on in the house first that that right. just that, that that's not right. solving anything that's making it we don't, worse we don't need primers we don't need primers and we don't need uh you know uh, the 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 Frankly, the contamination. We don't need that. Yeah. Um, so that would be uh, a big thing to do. So, um, uh, which is good for me in the way of Project Oculus because I never said what it might capture. I never said we're looking for lights or we're looking for anything. I said whatever we get, we get. Right. So I have no predis- predisposed notion of what we might see, but um, that's good. You know, so far, you know, lights going on and off, and and a small blink of light, uh, you know, here and there. Is about all we've gotten, but it's something, and uh, and again, it's marginal evidence in the end uh, for anybody who would want to dismiss it. It's easy to dismiss, but uh, you know, you have to know the house, you have to know um, what we've seen here for a long time, and um, and once you do get that, then you recognize how pretty amazing it is because the the light on the ceiling, incidentally. Um, is one of four cameras, and I had turned it on as I was upstairs in bed. I turned them on via the iPad, 
and uh, I turned them on, and I had at the time I had one outside pointing up at the sky, which was always an interesting thing to to watch during the daytime and the evening. And so I looked at that, and then I switched over to the stairwell or the living room camera, where it's pointed at the ceiling in the living room. And uh, as I'm watching, the light goes off. Like right then, I was looking at that camera when the light appeared near the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I was watching live. No other camera caught the light, and there were others in the vicinity that should have, and they did not. Just the one I was looking at. <laughs> okay, this yeah. is not a camera defect or an no, no. This, this this is a it's significant. Um uh, part of this thing where you say you don't really yeah. have a a uh, idea of exactly what you're doing. This is this this is letting a pattern emerge, which is probably the best thing to do. Exactly. So you know, okay, well, we got a one vantage point thing, which is another big thing in the paranormal. The the, the tunnel vision or one pathway to to visual, yeah, uh, is not unheard of by any stretch. So. But it does force you to put a piece of black cardboard over the camera and let it run for a week to make sure that you don't get any blips. <laughs> and I yeah. got no blips. Yeah. So I did the due diligence of making sure it's not a camera glitch. It's not a camera glitch. You can clearly see the reflection of this light on the ceiling. Right. So, I mean, you know, and then you put the still into Photoshop and you start looking at it in lab color and channel-specific data and it's a totally different ballgame. I mean, you can literally see the pinpoint light source. Um, of something, and we don't know what it is. Yeah. So you know, um, like I said, uh, you know, if people want to uh, want to donate to help keep the <laughs> help keep the monitoring up, that's great. If not, that's fine too. You can go on Facebook and look up Project Oculus. Uh, you'll see the group. Just request to come in, and I'll let you in, and you can see what we've got so far. Um, so it's all there, but. Um, but it's neat to watch them live. I mean, uh, that's a that's kind of a fun thing to do sometimes. So, yeah, uh, we should probably wrap it up. The one other suggestion I have was, if you yeah. thought of this, is there a way to get everybody that's contributed to it and monitoring monitoring it to have them turn on the camera when you don't know? But then that's introducing something that's not random too, because some intention went into turning on the camera, right? I mean, yeah, there's that, and there's also, you know, this funny notion that. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh you know i live here and uh yeah <laughs> uh, you know oh god like, I, I can't, i've I, got to put a towel around myself because because right. the damn camera might be on <laughs> right yeah i mean there's that i mean there's i mean at a certain point it becomes like my wife said she was cool with it as long as it didn't get too invasive and i said well you know as invasive as it might be it still might require itself to be an invasive process mm-hmm. um so I mean, something like that I've thought about. That's been suggested, actually, already. Yeah. Um, but we opted better for the, the scheduling. Yeah. Uh, but I'm thinking that it might be um, interesting to have an outside party handle the scheduling uh, and tell them to keep it within a certain hour uh, to start and end. Right. That uh, you know, wouldn't be a time that we'd be walking around in our underwear or something. So, you know, um, that's been – that might be the next step that we take. But right now, I think the scheduling is a good way to forget. And it's a good way to integrate the cameras just into the environment where you don't notice them. Anymore. Right, right. Okay. So, 
Well, I think it's it's a great idea, and uh, it's nice to do it on this scale rather than let's put the cameras out in you know the Hestelin Valley or something like that. Right. Try yeah. try it in a try it in a you know an intimate setting where a lot of this stuff happens, and and see what happens. And then you know maybe you know five ten years down the line, you're looking at the data or whatever. You look, oh yeah, look. And then yeah. that becomes part of a you know a, a, of a some sort of a. Um, uh, protocol that you can use because my idea and I, I think i've said this to you before is maybe at some point we can figure out a way to like let almost anyone have an experience of the paranormal if they do these certain things do this oh, yeah. and this and this and this and wait and see what happens because you know we found out that 40 or 50 or 60 percent or 30 percent of people that do this have something happen and in that way, it could be, you know, it, it, and I think whatever the experience would be, especially if it was something like a cryptozoological or a UFO experience, mm-hmm. would be extremely individualized to that person. But the thing is, they would have the experience not based not on demand, but almost at that. Right. That would be a big turning point for me. And it sounds like you're right on the edge of getting to that with what you're doing, which makes it uh, vitally interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, I could. I mean, if you want me to say it, I can tell people kind of a shorthand recipe to try if they want. Because please say it. Know, we are. Well, I, I'm not scared of anything on this show. Okay, well, um, few things, you know, but not uh, this. I mean, for, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for years, you know, people would say things to me like, you know, I'd give anything to have an experience like you're talking about, and I'm like, well, first of all, you don't know what you're talking about because <laughs> you don't want this. No, um, but. Um, you know, I I've had people genuinely ask me face to face, what can I do to see if I really want to see a UFO of some kind, something. I want to see something, um, and I tell them the very fact that you're coming to me and asking me this shows me that you already have the devotive nature to want to do it. Yeah, you've so already cranked I, it up like way above baseline just by asking it, me. Exactly. So. Um, you obviously have the desire to do it. So what I suggest people do is uh, find a rural place where there's not a lot of traffic at night, somewhere where you have a, a fairly high up view of the sky. Um, uh, rural places are best um, uh, where there's less light pollution and, and less, uh, you know, less, less. Uh, I don't know, ability to miss see something like an airplane or something like that. Yeah. Um, someplace really dark. Um, is always good. Uh, and go every night. Every night. I mean, when it gets dark at, I don't know, seven thirty, eight o'clock in the springtime, go out every night and go to that place alone if you want, with somebody if you want, and go every night and look. And that's all we want need to do. But you must do it every night. <laughs> I don't care what happens every night. You know, your dog dies Every night you go. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Like seriously, nothing else can matter except going every night. And um, I can pretty safely say that I've had a lot of people, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people say, I did it and I hate you for it. <laughs> because um, I, I got what I wanted, but because it turns out I didn't some- want it. Yeah, they got something that they were not expecting like they expected something like at a comfortable distance or whatever they expected. It was not what they expected. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, I said, well, I told you this and that that's the caveat, like, don't come whining to me. 
You said you wanted to see it. Now, this is something that, you know, like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Now what are you going to do? You can walk away from that experience and say, I'm done. I I saw it. I experienced it. I'm done. Right. Or you can do what I think that I feel like, and I have nothing else on this except that I feel like this is the way it kind of somehow works, maybe, possibly, Mm -hmm. uh, is to take the hook. And be the fish, <laughs> yeah, and get reeled in. But you know, if you think there's monsters in the water, wait till it reels you in. I mean, the real monsters are in the air. So um, it's uh, it, it's it's it, at times it can be extremely fearful. Uh, at times, like you said, paranoia can set in to a huge degree, um, and you can really lose touch with uh, um, a semblance of normal life. So it's not something that you want to do unless you're willing to give up like a lot, including possibly your wife and kids and your house and your job, you know, because that's what it wants. I mean, I hate to say it. It yeah. wants that. So going every night is out of it, your it normal wants your routine. routine. <laughs> it wants your routine. And uh, and uh, if you go every night, you are missing TV shows. You are missing tucking your kid in at night. You're missing – Maybe kissing your wife goodnight when she goes to bed because you're going to be out, you know, three or four hours looking every night. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'd say within three to four nights, maybe five. Yeah, you probably are going to see something that is going to, uh, like, I'd say maybe by the second or third night, you may see something that is distant yet odd. And maybe the third or fourth night, uh, you may see something that seems quite undeniable, but then you'll question yourself and say, well, did I really see that or was that birds? And then on the f- fourth night, it will remove all doubt. This is so, after going out there for who knows how long, though. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you can – you can. Uh, Not meaning you, the second or third night you're just out there doing your thing that, that this will happen, meaning you've been out there for weeks. No, I'd say you can do it in fairly short order. Really? It's <laughs> yeah. that quick? I yeah, yeah. Um, that's a little that that that's almost frightening. I I, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I mean it's. Um, I I would say literally if you spend two weeks doing it and don't see anything, I'd be surprised. Huh. Um, and this is based again, on people that you have that have done. That this. I've told that too. That I've said, you know, yeah, you can do it. Go look. And then they say, well, it can't be that simple. And I said, well, it is that simple. I mean, th- there's a couple of caveats to it, and one is that. While you're out there, you have to start asking questions that only kind of you know the questions that you want to ask. Things uh, like, is it real? Um, what happens after I die? Um, you know, these are questions that I think everybody asks, but we don't talk about. Yeah. So everybody's got that set of questions that they think about, but they don't talk about with anybody. And that's the questions you have to ponder while you're looking the skies for something. And they might um, not, not even have anything to do with the thing that's in that's supposedly in the sky. Correct. Yeah. Like, you know, where is Pop-Up now? You know, uh, wonder if he can see me. Uh, things like that. I mean, it doesn't doesn't have to be relegated to the UFO thing. Yeah, well, it uh, sounds like it's way more yeah. important that it isn't because you're working on yourself. You're not necessarily – and once yeah. you work on – this is like an occult thing. Once you work on yourself, other stuff starts to happen. <laughs> right. Right. I mean you can – I mean it is uh, – I mean what I'm talking about is kind of magic in a way. I mean uh, – Yeah, you can call uh, it that. Because you're – 
you're removing yourself from routine and you're going out and you're looking for something that you don't exactly know what you're looking for. You're just looking for an anomaly. And so you're going to go out and you're going to think about anomalous things and you're going to ponder these things not as they are being presented to or being discussed by culture. You're going to talk about them with you. You're going to answer your own questions. You're going to say, what am I looking for in life? What is reality? What is this about? What am I here for? These kind of questions seem to be <laughs> very triggery for this kind of thing. And you can – sure, you can ask things like, um, you know, are, are, are they watching me right now? It, are they behind me? And you'll start turning around and you'll get a little paranoid about it. Um, but just be aware, you know, you may not see a UFO. What you may end up seeing is uh, a specter walk across the field in front of you, or uh, you may hear something in the bushes that seems quite large and not specific to your location. Yes. So it's not always going to be what you expect it to be. Or you may end up with, you know, a triangular craft over top of you that's mere telephone pole height away. Um and hanging there, waiting for you to do something. Yeah, um, Ant anti-structure. You wanted anti-structure. Here it is. God damn it. Yeah. Well, or you could, <laughs> and I mean this. I, I mean this in very serious terms. You may get out of your vehicle at nine thirty and start looking around and spend maybe half an hour and get back in your truck and it's two a.m. and it may be that seamless. So mm -hmm. just you know, you got to keep an eye on the time too, because sometimes this thing does things that doesn't make sense for time. Um, in other words, nothing may have happened to you. You may have not seen anything, but yet time has been dilated for some reason, and you don't know why. Right. You weren't uh, switched off or anything like that. No, it's no, just no, no. your experience of time suddenly didn't make the sense that you thought it did. Exactly. Exactly. And it's far more than just, quote-unquote, losing track of time or anything like This is pronounced. This is mm. undeniable. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I tell people five, seven days, eight days, maybe yeah. you can you can do it. I mean, it's just you got to be deep about it. <laughs> that's that's the answer. Is you gotta you gotta put your whole being into doing it. And, yeah, you, you uh, can't just be a dilettantish. I'm going to go out there a couple days and stay there for 15 minutes. Right. You right. gotta you gotta get to the point where it's uncomfortable. And, and I want to say and beyond yeah, it sounds like yeah uncomfortable is a good way to put it and I think the other the other part to um to put in there with this is that you I think you have to believe it I think you have to know oh yeah 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 that you're going to see something and it's going to be there and uh and it will always surprise you <laughs> like it won't be what you expect it to look like it won't happen the way you expect it to happen either hmm. Um, it does, I mean, don't, I had a guy tell me I didn't see anything for four days, like nothing, not so much as a flicker. And he said on the, on the fifth or sixth day I was driving home and I was almost home and I, I saw it right in front of me in the sky <laughs> and it was right there. Yeah. And he said it was a, you know, it was a clearly a disc with a, a, a ring of lights around the edge, which is exactly what I saw at one point. Um, so yeah, it's. You know, it's possible that it won't even appear as you think. So, but again, the caveat is, or when you you think. can, you can, you can lose a lot by doing it. So, my advice to people is, 
don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. No, don't do it. Um, you know, unless this is your life's pursuit, you know, and you want desperately to see it, just know what you're giving up. You're giving up a lot potentially. Yeah. Uh, because it's very hard to find balance in that place and without balance your life is a mess. Yeah. And, and how uh, do, and, and and you know, if somebody sees that thing, do they is it possible to stop doing if you don't go out to Will it turn off, or do you have no idea? Um, it's one of the, that old idea, like when you invite something in or whatever. Right. Is it exactly. how yeah. hard is it to turn that off? Does it depend on the person? Um, it does. I mean, it depends on the person. It depends what questions they're asking after the fact. You right. know, like are you going to go home and ponder this amazing thing that you saw that your eyes saw and your brain goes, "There's no way that can be real," because right. that's kind of the the flavor of the month here with the paranormal, yeah. like. You see it, your eyes go yes, and your brain goes impossible. <laughs> and eventually, your brain accepts it. And your brain goes, yeah, it was there. I I know what I saw. And in the end, um, you know, it's it's do you ponder it? Do you poke at it? Do you go back? God forbid, you go back. Um, you know, because I, I mean, Straper did this in one of his books. He went to that little cave or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, take the advice of a fool, me. You know, I mean, like seriously, you can wind up in places that you don't want to be. Yeah. Um, and um, and you know, and it's it, it, at times it's inherently fearful. Um, you try to approach it with some measure of pleasantness. You know, you try to, you know, you try to keep it. Uh, you light. try to keep it. Yeah, you try to keep it in that you comfort know? box. But it's hard you know it's hard when you don't know what that is but you've heard tell that these things can take you away you know what i mean like that's hard that's a hard nut to get over um and so you know it's to me it's always best not to uh it's always best not to it's best to um kind of uh study it from afar um uh, there's plenty of other things to study about it other than going out and trying to interact with it. Like that's a tough thing. But I will tell you this, the majority of people that asked me that question of how do I see it were creative types of one kind or another. And they were the ones that came back and said, yes, I saw something. Yes, I experienced something. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a couple people that were math teachers. They saw nothing. They got nothing. Um, uh, had another guy. What was he? I can't remember. Um, I, it, it escapes me after a while. But he was in some kind of computer programming or something. But he programmed the chips themselves like he did binary. Yeah. He he didn't get much of anything. He got a little – I saw a funny light, but I don't know what it was. I didn't really get anything. The creative types will come forward telling you, oh, yeah, I saw something very weird. Something I didn't expect. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> you know, I got my answer. I'm out. Yeah. Um, and you know, the the answer is to saying you're out is don't go, don't go, don't go near the place that you skywatched for a week or seven days. Don't go back there. Um, I bet in some get, cases it's hard to do that. It's incredibly hard to do that. I mean, yeah. I mean not because, to go back. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, because that thing is, yeah, you want to see what it is, and if you want to take that model, that thing is calling you back because it, want, it, it wants to take your, your routine again. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it could be that, or it could be, you know, uh, that, that there is, uh, 
um, a co-creation thing going on here, like as you alluded to in the beginning. Yeah. It could be that there's a co-creation going on, and it requires your input to for it to get there. So, you know, um, oh, I yeah. don't think this is a one-way street by any stretch of the imagination. Right, right. I mean, I know I talk about liminality and anti-structure and all these things, and people can interpret that as, you know, anthropological um, – kind of like uh, not in the paranormal vein. I mean, the paranormal is illogical, but the Ill- illogical is still real. That's not what I'm <laughs> saying at all. Like, believe that. Um, the illogical is real. Um, but uh, And it doesn't operate in logical ways. Um, so, you know, knowing all those things, uh, I feel like if I lived that way now, uh, I feel like, yes, I could probably make myself turn it off i could make myself go don't ask those questions don't talk to that person don't you know but for the person who just says i want to see something well when you see something it's hard like i said it's hard to put that back in the tube um yeah and 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 it may go far farther than you just having a sighting of something as in a la something's in your room at night yeah that's uncomfortable um, <laughs> yeah, I have a friend That's recently cool. that did this. He went mm-hmm. to a place every day uh, in a liminal spot out next to a forest. Yep. And looked for, I guess he said he was trying to, his model was, I'm trying to create a tulpa. And he got oh, something yeah. and he didn't like it at all. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see, all that is, you know, is steeped in, you know, marginal behavior, anti-structural behavior, um you know, it, 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 there's. If you look close enough, you'll find the people that experience this stuff are in some kind of state of liminality of one kind or another. Yeah. Uh, or the act itself is liminal or marginal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's marginal to go looking for flying saucers, Greg. I mean, we know this. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You're already there with your going. So. Yeah. You know, uh, it is what it is, and uh, um, and, and you know, you got to think in the abstract of this stuff, and. Uh, um, and I've I've really found that it, not accepting it at face value um, seems to make it non palatable for the phenomena to to be there. You know, ah, so. you mean if you? It, it sounds like Peter Pan. If you don't believe in it, well, if you, I think it, I don't think it's a question of belief. If you believe it's there, you know it's there. It's not not a question for you anymore at a certain point. But what you do is you go, okay, so is that really what it was or was it something else? Or was it just trying to make me think that I saw that? Um, doubt, or did it to doubt, doubt screws with it, huh? I think that doubt, yes. Well, doubt and skepticism certainly screw with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, these are you know, the linchpins to make the Ferris wheel completely fall apart. How, so, how about um, emotional detachment? If you can even achieve that in this, in, in during this, does that make a difference? I don't know because I've not met anybody that's been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be a tough one. That'd be like, yeah, you know, well, maybe the Dalai Lama could do it. I think even <laughs> somebody like Maccabee would be uber excited, you know, to, to have, even as he did in, in golf breeze, have scientific equipment all set up in a van somewhere and have small lights pass over the van. I mean, that's pretty significant stuff. But I'm sure his heart was pounding when it happened. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I don't know that you can be emotionally detached when, you know, when reality rips a hole. 
Exactly. Know? I mean, you have to have you have uh, to have incredible control to be able to do that, and to to have that control, you're probably not going to be out there looking for that in the first place because you don't really you at that point if you're that detached, you don't really care about the answer because you're okay with everything. <laughs> you're not going to be searching anymore, yeah. you know. And it's, so you got to be emotionally attached to it in some way to even go out and do the damn thing. Yeah, and I think I think the the excuse me the bad part about the going out and the looking is is that it makes you the hook, if you will, is one of the hooks is um, I've got to know the answer to this, mm-hmm. and that's the answer of all answers is what is it, yeah. and uh, and and so that sets someone on a path of again delving in. Uh, you know, you know. I, I always say it's the same thing that uh, that I experienced at one point in life, where you know my life just it, it became unmanageable uh, for normal life. And the thing was, is that I kind of use this analogy. It's like sticking your head into a pool of water and looking around underwater for this amazing stuff. There's these amazing fish in the water, but if you stay under too long, you drown. And you're only inches from air, but you will drown looking at these beautiful fish. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so at a certain point, you get a better perspective of the fish by standing up next to the pool rather than sticking your face in it. Yes. Uh, And that's what I do these days predominantly is I watch. Um, You know, I watch from afar. I don't necessarily want to purposefully engage anything um, so, so in your face <laughs> that I'm out of control. But at the same time, I want to just uh, uh, create of a creative environment where um, this kind of thing can happen. I want to be anti-structural enough that we can maybe get something to respond. That I think I feel safe with. Right. Going out, like I would not go out to certain places at night right now to look. No, I will not do that. Right. Um, but uh, – but yeah, I think there are balances that you can get, but it's it's tough when something actually shows its head. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. All right. So you know you what? I, I've kept you up way past your bedtime. I think, especially if you have to go to work tomorrow. Oh well, it's not till uh, eleven, but still. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thirty is nothing. I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, I've I I want to stop it here because I want to continue sure. again at some point because this really got to a it get got straight into exactly what I'm into and what I've oh, been th- cool. wondering about and thinking about for a long time. And, um, you know, a- a- an active role in doing these things, which people don't really think about. Um, yeah. And I think that, that that's very important. It was, uh, I think Volet put that in a, he was talking to, who was it? Jerome Clark once. And Clark said, don't you think it's really dangerous if people start engaging with this? Can't they go crazy? And Volet said, mm. yeah, that could happen. But, it's like studying volcanoes. You can only stu- you can't study volcanoes for your whole life standing a hundred feet from you know a mile from them. You have to get up next yeah. to a volcano every once in a while. Yeah, and I there's think, risk in everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, the, the, yeah, sure, there's a risk, but if you're going to take the risk, um, there there's things you can learn. So, like uh, like okay. you said, you wouldn't recommend everybody doing this, but this this is something that maybe some people didn't know about. So I'm glad you mentioned it on the show. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like I said, uh, I disavow any responsibility for anything anybody may have happened. So I do too. We're all know. we're all adults here, but you know, we didn't tell anybody to go do this. This is like uh... no. no. <laughs> I mean, in fact, I'll go as far as to say is I would advise against it. But yeah, again, you already said that. You know, if you're uber inclined, you know, 
it's uh, it's one of those things that that I think will do something. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, the, the the biggest way to to investigate this stuff is to try to do something to engage with it, and that's just I don't know. I think that's one of the best ways to try and learn something out of it. Yeah. Um, so there you are. Well, thank you. And uh, thank you. Uh, sure. Um, one more time with the uh, Oculus site and um, the oh. core. How to get to Project Core and uh, and uh, Numinous. Um, Room. Numinous Den, yeah. Den, Den, um, sorry. Well, Par- Paratopia Oculus is a P-A-R-A-T-O-P-I-A, Oculus, O-C-U-L-U-S dot com. Uh, you can go there. Project Core is across the top. Um, the Oculus camera uh, you mentioned there on the top of the very blog that we're talking about. Uh, you can click to get to the GoFundMe page there where you can watch a video I put together about what I'm trying to do with this. Uh, Numinous Den is N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S Den, D-E-N, dot blogspot.com, dot blogspot.com, rather. And and we're just getting started with that. So there's only maybe four or five posts, so you can still get in early on that and and uh, and follow along because I think it's going to get really cool after a while. Yeah, um, it'll it'll and, develop uh, and, and evolve, and you won't you have no idea what's going to happen, and it's it'll probably turn into an excellent book at some point. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, that's 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 uh, that's it's not my goal. My goal here in this thing is uh, I call the numinous den uh, sort of like uh, um, the uh, the Rosetta Stone language system of uh, trickster. It's like you know. If I can get people to recognize certain things after a while, they'll start speaking trickster and they won't even know it. So yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's kind of the way I'm trying to do it. I think it's the best way for people to learn. Yeah. And uh, and so uh, you know, if I can lay these out, you know, once a week or twice a week, I think it'll be great. So that's numinousden.blogspot.com, and uh, and you can start at the bottom and work your way up. Okay. Hey, uh, what, uh, I, I uh, should tell you that uh, the guest always gets to pick the mu- the outro music. So, what would you like to for me to play? I don't know if you'll be able to hear it, but I will. I will play it as the outro music for the episode. Oh my god! Uh, I should have told you beforehand. It it could be something. It, it probably should be something I can look up on YouTube if I don't have it in my you know eight thousand title music thing here on my computer. <laughs> How about uh, how about let's go back to what ninety something and do the church uh, under the Milky Way? How about that? Okay, I'll play that, and um, we'll have you on again soon and uh, talk about what has happened in uh, for Oculus and how crazy I went by going and sitting out in a in a field for for five <laughs> days in a row. I will. You will walk through the purple door and never be seen again, Greg. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, there you I are. I don't mind. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Thanks so much. Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of the breath fades with the light Whoa, just a sec. Let me see. Let me make sure we're not broadcasting. Hello, hello. Oh, we're broadcasting. Hello, everyone. Bye, everyone.